Um, I just need you to talk so I can get the level set for you. WMBC. WMBC. <laughs> WMBC. All right, Matt, I'm going to have to mute you so he can talk. You can keep doing that if you want. I don't care. Testies. One, two, three. Do the WNBC because that seems to be about the loudest you got. WMBC. Awesome. WMBC. Yeah, I think that's got it. Oh. And now I will unmute Matt. WNBC. Yeah, you can keep mm. doing that if you want, Matt. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll adjust your volume to that. Um, <laughs> Um, can you hear Matt, Chris? Matt, talk. Hello, Chris. How are you? WNBC. Yes, I can. You hear him just fine then? Yes. All right. I'm still fighting with this new mixer a little bit. All right. I got my notes. I'm ready to go. I got all of the clips ready to go and leveled and everything. Do you have any questions for us before we get moving? Uh, no, no, no. I'm I'm a fan of the show, so I, I think I think I'm I know what I'm in for. Awesome. Whatever you do, don't fall into thinking that you're listening to the show like other guests have done. Yeah, you gotta you gotta <laughs> perform a little bit for us, okay? Because once once Matt and I get going, we don't stop. So you just have to fucking interrupt us when you want to talk, which I don't think will be a problem. I, I but... have been trying to like, when we have a guest, draw back so the guest can get in on it a little bit more. Yeah, and whew, I think we're good to go. I will be flipping over to a new track, and here we go. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, skinny, truly and pietistic and generally nauseating. They are unbelievably nauseating. They are the antithesis of humankind. I regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing to my mind enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world would be busting through by their total and utter non-existence. Cinema Psyops with Hort and Matt. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. I am joined in the studio by a man chained directly to his phone via his face. Matt, how's Hi. it going? What's going on? Oh, not too much. We are uh, in the middle of the first week of December. Yeah. For our podcast. Yeah. That can only mean one thing. Christmas time? No, dude. We're going to settle some debts. Oh, okay. We, we owe some people some stuff. We owe some people stuff? Yeah, and we can't pay them like you usually pay your bookie. Oh. And you know how you pay your bookie. Yeah. Yes, IOUs. They're just as good as cash. From <laughs> maybe in Wisconsin. <laughs> and speaking of Wisconsin, yeah, IOUs and debts that we are now paying back so they don't get collected. Joining us live via the Interocitor this week, the man who won our contest fuckloads of ages ago <laughs> and is now finally able to collect on it. Wait, I thought I entered that and won it. Oh, fuck off! <laughs> it's Chris. How's it going, buddy? Yay! Excellent, excellent. The ever so patient Chris from Very Wisconsin. Patient. 
extremely patient with us. Did, did you send the movie to him at least? Yes. He, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that was it a was, whole thing. It was excellent. That was a whole thing, dude. I, I remember I, it. I lost it. You lost it. I found it. I buried it in small peat. You couldn't find it. <laughs> small peat moss. What like, I'm making a reference small to. Small peat? I am making a reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, okay. How the Vogons work for their paperwork. Oh, yeah. But I did ship it out to him, and because he was patient, I even shipped him some hoity-toity DVD that I got from Miro Video that I didn't want. Oh, what was the name of that DVD? I think it was the jacket or the coat or something. What was it? The overcoat or the trench coat? The coat. It was, it was in fucking Italian. I don't fucking read Italian. <laughs> Il Capato. Il Capato. Like yeah, yeah. Which I was like, and I even told him, I'm like, it's a bonus? <laughs> 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 really, it just has no place in his collection, so he decided to throw it at you. I ordered something else. Their numbers got fucked up. They wouldn't take it back, but they gave me the disc that I wanted, which was very nice of them. Thank oh, you very much, Rare yeah. Video. Yeah, that's nice. I think they just that's wanted to good un- customer service. I think they just wanted to unload the DVD. <laughs> Probably. Just like you wanted to unload. I technically used that DVD as like a uh, packaging to protect Macabre, which oh, we were talking yeah. about tonight. Which is much more important. Or Macabre, if macabre. you want to pronounce it like they do in the trailer. The Macabre. Yes. And just to make sure, Matt, you watched the one from 1958 that I sent you, right? Uh, is that in color? Oh, damn it. You watched the foreign film from like 2014-ish. Yeah, I wondered why everyone was speaking a different language. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Chris, I'm really sorry. We're going to have to stop the recording. And I can't give believe Matt- this happens again. Every single time with you. I even send you the file. I am a terrible co-host. <laughs> I agree. This is, we're, we're doing macabre tonight? Yeah. Oh, Matt told me this do? was like supposed to be a uh, UPN retrospective. <laughs> Martin and Platypus Man and oh, you know, Veronica Mars and some Star Trek Voyager talk. So I, I guess you're going to you have to carry this high? one forward. When, when did we ever say that we would cover that? That's way worse than me. This isn't your week for your pick and we're definitely not doing that for your pick. We have to do at least a movie. Yeah. Even if it's a made-for-TV movie. I can maybe get into some of that Star Trek Voyager talk, though, but that's, that's about it. All that he's going to talk about is his erotic fan fiction about Captain Janeway. Oof. Mm. Oof. Man, I'm telling you, that bun goes in serious places. Ooh, gross. <laughs> and erotic all at once, <laughs> where I like to live. You want to read it, don't you? <laughs> all right, so since nobody but me has watched Macabre, we're going to have to take a bit of a break here. We're going to do a little bit of time warp, and when we come back, you guys will have actually seen the film but while we wait we're going to play a little bit of a promo for another podcast and these are all promos that chris handpicked for podcasts that he would like us to support so we'll have a little bit of music and we come back we will do macabre hey paul do you like drinking beer watching shitty movies and listening to rockabilly music actually no i don't well that's great because neither do i are you going to tell people about our podcast I guess. You see, Paul, our podcast is about two guys who don't really know each other and decided to do a podcast together. Yes, I know. What's your point? Well, actually, that's the show I started with my original co-host, Kristen, but she doesn't talk to me anymore. I think I know why. So should we tell people about our show? I mean, I guess. Well, the first half of the show, we usually talk about current events and things going on in our lives. We have lives? Well, I guess you do. But on the second half of the show, we do our nerdy news, which is usually talking about superhero movies, TV shows, and cartoons. Wait, this is a commercial, isn't it? Yup, it is. And we like to have the nice people out there check out twostrangersonepodcast.net. We're available on iTunes, the Stitcher app for Android devices, SoundCloud, and on the Google Play Store. So are you going to mention my other show, The Tsunami Table Podcast? No time for that, Paul. Actually, the show gets more listeners than this one does. Well, that's great. Let's get our numbers up and check out Two Strangers, One Podcast. Don't be a stranger. Peace. We're out. Bye. 
All right, and that's going to go out to the guys in Two Strangers, One Podcast. We're talking shit about rockabilly and drinking beer. Two things that <laughs> each of the people on this show like. Yeah, number one, I agree. Number two, what the fuck's with the song? What? He's just saying dead girls don't Dude, cry. Yeah, that's... They're incapable of crying. That's so fucked up. <laughs> but they can't do it. I get it, but yeah. it's still but it's fucked so up. necromantic. It's very necromantic. They don't cry, and they don't say no to anything. Oh. <laughs> but if you think about it, it does kind of fit with the subject matter for what we're talking about with the movie. Do you think if your voice gets any higher, it's going to make this any better? I think it will. I'm uh, not sure. I'm no expert on this, but I'll go ahead and agree anyway. If I talk any higher, I could do a Mickey Mouse impersonation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. But do you know what actually fits very well with the subject matter of this What's song, it? Matt? What's that? This trailer. I'm so excited. Your attention, please. During every suspenseful moment of the running of the motion picture macabre, the life of everyone in this theater will be insured by Lloyd's of London for $1,000 against death by fright. However, even Lloyd's of London will not grant coverage for any person with a known condition or for suicide by any member of the audience. Don't worry about being scared to death. Your heirs will collect after you've gone. Bring someone with you to see this motion picture. You'll want some live hands to hold during the performance. And you won't want to go home alone after it's finished. If you're able to go home. And we won't worry about your telling anybody the ending of this picture. Because you may not be around to tell. These are the living members of its cast. If you meet any of them in a dark alley, we advise you to scream for help if it's not too late to scream. Your attention, please. During the engagement of Macabre, no one will be seated during the last 10 minutes of each show. We should start doing that. Your, yeah. your attention, please. No one will be allowed to listen during the last 10 minutes of the show. That's kind of when we're our filthiest. What, the last 10 minutes? Yeah. Only when we do the news, which we haven't done in like fucking loads of ages. Man. I know. Well, either I either we have a show that goes like monumentally late or we did like two movies. November was some heavy stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, a lot of discussion was had. So <laughs> there was a lot of talking. A lot of talking. I don't know. A lot of people were yelling stuff. <laughs> All right, so the film opens up with a bit of a expository dialogue intro and uh, getting to know all of your characters. Getting to know the characters, and I'm a little lazy, so that's our first clip. Oh, you bastard! Oh, ladies and gentlemen, for the next hour and fifteen minutes, you will be shown things so terrifying that the management of this theater is deeply concerned for your welfare. Therefore, we request that each of you assume the responsibility of taking care of your neighbor. If anyone near you becomes uncontrollably frightened, will you please notify the management so that medical attention can be rushed to their aid? Please set your watches. It is 6.45 in the evening in a town called Thornton. Broke the lock. Climbed in the window and swiped my best child's coffin. You gonna take fingerprints, Jim? Not right away, Ed. Can't figure out anybody stealing the coffin. 75 bucks worth. 75 bucks to the bereaved, 29.50 to you. I'm not in business for my help. Do you think you can find out who did it? Oh, I don't know, maybe. How big was it? Oh, about, about the size of that coffin. You mean a, a guy could carry? Oh, sure, sure. It was a kid's coffin. Maybe it was never stolen. You're going to use the insurance money to bet on the horses. I told you I quit that. Oh, sure, like you gave up playing poker. Just penny ante. Ed, when are you going to pay off some of those debts? Well, real soon, Jim. You included. 
Where are you going to get the money? To charge an old man Weatherby a million bucks for burying Nancy tonight? My rates are the same for everybody. Sure, all you can get. You know what Joe Weatherby said to me when his daughter Nancy died at midnight? He said, you know, my daughter Nancy lived in darkness, died in darkness, and will be buried in darkness. Strangest thing I ever heard of, having a funeral in the middle of the night. But you can count on old Joe to do things different from everybody else. <laughs> yeah, like having ten million dollars. <laughs> yeah, even so, it's tough on the old guy, his two daughters dying so suddenly. You never quite got over Alice, did you, Jim? Even after the doc took her away from you, even after she died. You talk too much, Ed. Well, I got some work to do. Jim, Jim, what about my stolen coffin? I got it right on my mind, Ed. Hey, Doc! How's every little thing? Fine, Tylo. And you? Yeah, still taking nourishment. How's your kid? Seen her in a week or so. Marge is fine, thanks. She was three last week, wasn't she? You've got a good memory. Yeah, I remember the night your wife died better than you. I was sober. I was with her. Let me give you a little friendly advice. Get out of this town. You're out of business. Think so? They say a good doctor could have saved Nancy the night before last. You know, I just had a childish impulse to take a poked you. So, Jim the Sheriff is just a very butch version of Thurston Howell. I have a very hard time feeling this is him a, being threatening. <laughs> this is a friendly reminder that you'll be in a run out of town, okay? I'm bunny. He's a, he's a real son of a bitch, too. He's needling the creepy funeral director, and he's just giving it to the doc right off the bat. In yeah. his defense, though, that creepy funeral director owes him a bit of cash, so That's fuck true. this guy. Yeah, but in the creepy funeral director's defense, yeah. he's literally just you, but with an actual skill that's marketable. You motherfucker, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't owe anybody money. I pay all my debts. <laughs> in one way or another. Oh, and what a great opening, because they William Castle, he just drops you right in there, and there's already a funeral going on, a stolen coffin, and something's going on with the sheriff, and he's got some sort of beef with the dock. Well, it's a stolen child's coffin, which is exponentially more creepier. A funeral at midnight for a woman who was quote-unquote born into darkness, whatever that means, yeah. lived her life into darkness and will be put to rest in darkness. Like, the only thing missing... Town's all fucked up, man. The only thing missing from Macabre's opening here is Vincent Price telling you all of this in his very <laughs> Vincent Price tone. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the only thing that could make this any more creepy. And it's all taking place, like, in broad daylight on, like, the, yeah. the like an evening time. And it's still, like, you're like whoa something ain't right with this town uh, it makes me laugh uh, just going back to the very beginning when like hey you know the thousand dollar life insurance thing and all that yeah it, that seems to be something really centric that william castle likes to do because didn't he do the same thing for uh the uh, uh he used that gimmick a couple of times where if you die of fright you're, yeah, you're the, insured the, what, he's what not the only that, one the that did or no, the, the tingler the, the tingler the tingler yeah, yeah. There's, there's there was a life insurance policy there too he did or, something similar or the, to that. The, the seats would buzz on you. Well, right, those kind of gimmicks. Life Howard's Corner and Howard's all that uh, yeah. stuff, yeah. Now, William Castle wasn't the only one who did that. He was just the best one that used that that particular gimmick of life insurance. I gotcha. Because Screaming Skull had some kind of insurance that you could die of fright. Oh, okay. By doing that, they're trying to guarantee you, this will be the scariest fucking thing you've ever seen because you will die. It's the tingler. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> right they, couldn't, they couldn't do the Dr. Claw voice in the 50s, so yeah. they had to be like, you're insured with Lloyd's of London. <laughs> 
<laughs> you will die of it's fright. So, it's so frightening. The tingler. All right. So after the expository dialogue opening, the doc heads upstairs to his office with a nurse who is looking pretty disappointed that he doesn't notice her or even kind of really acknowledge yeah. her existence. No, and she's all trying to get prettied up for that. Yeah. She's like really trying to get his attention. Yeah. Short of stripping down nude and standing in front of him like Lynn Lowry in the Shivers movie. <laughs> Why are you laughing? You haven't seen that. I'm just laughing because you're making eye contact with talking about someone getting stripped down. It makes me uncomfortable, so I laugh. Fair enough. <laughs> you do laugh when you're uncomfortable. Yes, I do. <laughs> Naked nurse. Shivers. You're right. You do. <laughs> God, he turned beet red, too. He's like, I'm kind of turned on by this, and I don't bit. like it. <laughs> I... Pants off. <laughs> They were they were off when you got in the room. That's true. Yeah. All right. So the nurse is disappointed that he has not noticed her or even noticed that she's gussied herself up and she's walking across with her nurse's outfit, implying that she needs to change, trying to get his attention. Uh None of this works. Look, I'm not the most observant guy in the world, Doc, but if I notice that your nurse is all flirty flirty with you, you should be able to notice that too. I mean, you're right there. I'm even worse than you are. And if I can notice your nurse is coming on to you, you should be able to notice it too. You're oblivious. I really am. You really are. Particularly when it comes to the wants and needs of women. I would say oblivious is more just, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, That's what oblivious, I, oblivious means. But I mean, like, oblivious more means, like, I don't want to know or I don't care to know. No. I would say oh, I'm oh, more I- ignorant as to the wants and needs ob- of women. Oblivious is you are peacefully ignorant. Oh. You have yes, no okay. clue. You're probably about right on that. Then. Yeah. That was really hard work. Chris, take over. <laughs> I got to oh, catch boy. my breath. I don't know if I can handle all this tension. I might have to crack a peaceful Verde Valley beer. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> Verde Valley. Dude, that was beautiful. I oh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was well done. Yeah, very well done. <laughs> Chris should probably be the new co-host. Probably. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I would work much better with Chris than you. <laughs> All right, so he doesn't notice her, and then he laments about the aforementioned rumor that's going around town that had a better doctor been treating the recently deceased, not diseased, Matt, it's deceased. The disease. I made a Beetlejuice reference. <laughs> that if he wasn't the doctor, if someone else had been taking care of her because he's supposedly a drunk because he was drunk when his wife died. He had one drink. Yeah, uh, well. One drink. That's what all alcoholics say. Doesn't even count in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> one drink, man. We, we, we what are you? What are you? An AA? I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> Have a one That's drink. like for toddlers, one drink. Yeah. What, what did you just wake up? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what are you? Some kind of Nancy? <laughs> Ooh, that's kind of offensive. Is that kind of offensive? That's kind now? of offensive. Uh, I was just trying to go by like what some redneck they. Somebody out there alcoholic. named Nancy's like, hey, yeah, hey. maybe I am. <laughs> yeah, I am a Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> what are you a court? <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> All right. So this rumor is if a better doctor had been there who was not a person who had drinks in them at any point in time <laughs> of their lives apparently Motel people are so stuck up while their wife is lying dead or dying and they're off having a good old time drinking it up and gallivanting about well the nurse that is trying to get his attention tries to soothe him with a bunch of more expository dialogue and once again that is our next clip oh no wonder you only have two and a half pages of notes <laughs> yeah there's a lot of clips <laughs> not a 
Danny. What are they saying about Nancy Weatherby? That a good doctor could have saved her life? Hmm? Holly, what are they trying to do? Run me out of town with gossip. Just gossip. Alice and Nancy have been just ordinary sisters. It might differ with a Weatherby sister. Richest girls in town. Prettiest. Three years, they're both dead. They can't blame me. Alice is dead. My own wife. Well, they can't blame you, but where were you the night she died? You say you were with Sylvia Stevenson, drunk. One drink, and a doctor's drunk. Nancy, we know that no doctor in the world could have saved her, but you can't make this town believe. Rod leaves town. It isn't running away. Just take Marge and go. Take it. You suppose Joe Weatherby believes any of it, Polly? You can help, Rod. Joe is a fine, wise old man, but his two daughters are dead now, and the whole town's whispered. How don't you see how hopeless it is for you to stay here? I'm not going to give Jim Tyler and the rest the satisfaction of seeing me run. Don't suppose I had any patience today. Nope, none. Oh, yes. Yes, one. Sylvia brought Marge in for a second polio shot. She didn't cry a bit. Uh, Marge begged me to come and put her to bed to think. Let's go. I'm sick of this place. I tell you, let's take Marge out to the lake for something. Give her everything that Miss Cushions will let her in. Okay, so after that, they dissolve to a car pulling up to a house curbside as the young nurse and Doc walk out to go find his daughter. They go into the house, and the Doc immediately goes to the room that his daughter is supposed to be, but he refuses to let the young nurse see the daughter. Something about as soon as the nurse and the daughter get together, it will be like he has chopped liver. Yeah. Like yeah. he won't even exist. Yeah. Apparently they have a good relationship. They have bonded. Now I'm starting to wonder if this whole thing about her trying to get close to the doc may just be her maternal instinct kicking in and her wanting to baby snatch. I don't think baby snatch. I Not think she take wants it and run package. off, but does she want the whole package? I think she wants the whole package. I think she'd be happy of... with just the kid and not his package. No, I think, <laughs> well, I I don't get that. No, I think she wants, she wants the whole dealio. Well, to quote my favorite character in <laughs> There Will Be Blood, I see the absolute worst in people. <laughs> It's true, I do. It is, you do. Yeah. I have in my notes, Nurse Polly wants to be wife number two. Is that a bathroom code or? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's her name, Nurse Polly. She wants to be the poop wife? No, I meant ner- wife number two. Oh, dude. wife number two. You, are, you say, are you trying to like go roundabout way saying she's the wife who will do anal? Yes. All right. Yeah. yeah. To me, that would be a number one wife. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling number one wife would be something different to you. Like, the one who would pee on you. Depends upon whether or not a glass table's involved. (laughs) 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 And whether or not the floor is easily moppable afterwards. (laughs) It's got to be hardwood floors, man. It can't be No, no, not not hard. It'll soak into the hardwood. Uh, I don't know that from personal experience. (laughs) Oh, no. No oranges thrown at your ass. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow, Chris is a kinky motherfucker. Yeah, he is. All right, you're in good company here, pal. They go looking for the daughter. The doctor goes looking in the room that she's supposed to be in. I can't remember if it was supposed to be her bedroom or playroom or... It was her playroom. It was a playroom. Yeah. Okay. But she's not in there, so they start searching through the entire house. And this gets a little bit tedious as they're looking for a fucking little snot-nosed shit machine who gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> got, uh, got some things going on over there, do you, buddy? I hate children. <clears throat> Alrighty. <laughs> <laughs> The nurse and the doctor are searching upstairs, and the housekeeper, caregiver for the child? Yeah, it's both. Yes. All of the above. All of the above. Yes, have some. <laughs> little column A, little column B. Yes. Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. Okay, so the caregiver slash housekeeper that is the shit machine watcher when the doctor's away. Never. <laughs> oh, you think children are shit machines? Yes. They're money vacuums and shit machines. Money goes in, shit comes out. Just the first couple years, it's like having a drunken midget living with you. It really is. No, that's I right. podcast with Matt. I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Minus the charm of having a little person. Yeah, it's, it's full grown. <laughs> yeah. Drunken idiot. You take all the charm that you can jam into a little person's body and throw that into Matt's big oafish thighs. <laughs> That's how much charm he has. Do you I know? know you got two of us in the studio. It's like you cloned them. Yeah, I, I, I'm quite surprised. It's the first time anybody's ever called me oafish. It really, I thought that would happen a lot sooner than it did. <laughs> They're looking for the child. They search the entire house. They find nothing. And then they try to call the house where the little ship machine was at at one point in time, but nothing there. Just a little bit of dial tone as in it's busy. And for those of you kids that don't know what it's like, when someone was on the phone back in the day before there was call waiting, when you had an actual landline, if you were on a call, you could not receive another call. That is true. There is not a text that would come through. No. And if it was an emergency, yeah, and if there was an emergency, the operator could break through the call and talk to you and say there was an emergency. Yeah. call but that cost a lot of money mm-hmm. the doc's not doing that because he's a cheap piece of shit <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like business going too well for him well yeah that's what happens when you kill the twins of the richest man in town you didn't kill them they died that's yeah, kind of his fault as far as this close-minded self-centered piece of shit little town is concerned <laughs> i thought you were talking about yourself at what point i'm talking about my hometown because <laughs> I, I i really feel it when i was watching this there for a minute you got this remind fucking... you of pencil tucky yeah a little bit a little bit a little bit <laughs> Little <laughs> bit. Little bit, little bit. Little bit, little bit. <laughs> All right, so because there's dial tone, the doc decides to just drive the fuck on over there. So he takes off, and it looks like that was Doc's new flame. And this new flame cannot get enough attention and is a bit jealous of Polly the nurse. Says something along the lines of Polly is acting as though she is actually his wife currently and not his wife-to-be, which is what this particular lady is. She's very jealous of Polly doing this emotional cock block. Yeah. Yes. You don't know how else to put it? Oh, you're right there. Like, how are they supposed to bond as, you know, a couple whenever Polly's always there taking up all the love and affection? Yeah, right. Of both the child and kind of the husband? Did you notice when they were looking for the girl, uh, Nurse Polly was throwing shade? Just talking about how much uh, the daughter likes her and not Sylvie, the new woman. Yeah. Throwing little hints of shade. Yeah. Polly's got a whole bunch of tiny little arrows she's slinging all over the place. It's very catty. It's very very bitchy and well they were looking for a child so i was very not interested so i didn't write any of that down <laughs> jesus <laughs> if you ask me a lost child's kind of a good thing good god <laughs> almighty dude wow <laughs> wow when what? they remake that who could kill a child the answer will be just court <laughs> <laughs> they'll just be called court that's who fuck off oh christ darren's gonna make that poster <laughs> That's happening. <laughs> it'll just be, it'll be like, who could kill a child will just be crossed out like with a marker punk rock style. <laughs> yeah. It'll just be like, court, fuck off in my picture. <laughs> no, I told him how to make it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm not helping my cause. You are not. <laughs> Back at the doc's house, Polly answers the phone and something is said to her that is apparently so horrible and upsetting. She goes into a tizzy and a panic. She then begs the caller not to hang up. And we don't get to hear what the caller is telling her, but given her reaction to everything that is happening, it is clearly something very nefarious and awful and at some point she just straight up screams and faints dropping the phone and hitting the floor now the caretaker slash housekeeper looks at Polly for like a millisecond picks up the phone says hello a shitload then just sets it down she doesn't like her either she just looks at Polly like oh fuck you lady you mean when they talked when they first got to the house and they talked it seemed that very comfortable yeah everybody's got an issue with Polly and how she's trying to ingratiate herself with the doctor I still think that Polly 
Polly cares more about the child than the doctor, and the doctor's I, just I think she wants a whole package, Bill. Uh, Polly's the kind of lady that'll cut a baby out of another lady's stomach with a fucking car key. Holy shit, <laughs> She's <dude>. desperate <laughs> for a child, which I don't understand because they're a money vacuum shit machine. Good God, man. <laughs> Brutal. And she says hello repeatedly into the phone, then tries to revive the wilting willow. We then see the shock clock that was in the beginning of the film. They keep cutting back to it to let us know time is running out for something. We don't know what. Ten. Yeah, you have the times written down. As I was doing the notes, I was taking taking uh, the time, just uh, keeping track of attention. They do a real good job reminding you how much time you we're, we're we're getting closer and closer to something happening here. <laughs> it's like it's now eight ten. We have five hours to condense down into a seventy one minute film. Mm-hmm. We've gone two hours from six forty five ish. Yeah, you know about. So time's gonna move really fucking fast. Yeah, even though it will feel like it's not moving at all in some <laughs> spots. Yeah, well. particularly anything having to do with them looking for the little kid. <laughs> well, not yet, anyway. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. All, right. All right, so the doctor comes home, and because there's a bunch of expository dialogue, and once again, I'm feeling a little bit lazy, even though it's more work for me to do a clip than to just write down what they're I saying. I was going to say, it, 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 all right, yeah, whatever. It tells the story better. There you go. That's our next clip. Holly, <coughs> what happened? Well, the, the phone rang, and she answered it. And, well, she said, what, a couple of times, and then she fainted. Yeah, you're all right, Polly. Take it easy. Who was on the phone? Well, how would I know? Now, take it easy. You're all right, Polly. Rock. <laughs> Rock. Marge? she hurt? I don't know. Man, phone. He must be crazy, Rock. Well, who was he? I don't know. I just can't believe anybody would do a thing like that. No, well, what has he done, Polly? Tell me. From the beginning. The phone rang. I didn't stop to think who it was. I just answered it like I do at the office. And it was a man's voice. Wait a minute. Let me remember it exactly the way he said it. All of it. First he said, is the doc there? And I said, no, he's not. And then, yes, I, I said, who's calling, please? He didn't answer me. He just laughed. <laughs> that voice, that horrible laugh. And then what? He stopped laughing after a while. He said, I guess the dog's out looking for his little girl. <laughs> Rod, I was so concerned about Marge, I didn't stop to think. I was, I was just sure he was going to tell me where she was. Is that wrong, Rod? I said, yes, you were. Well, I was. Go on. And then he started laughing again. Go on. And then he said, tell the dog that Marge's funeral has just taken place. Now she's with the dead. Funeral? What do you mean, Polly? That's what he said, Rod. That Marge's funeral had just taken place and she was with the dead. And Marge dead? No, no way. Then he said, Dead, tell the doc that she's not dead, not yet. That she's in a good big coffin for her. So there might still be time enough to find it for five hours. Buried alive. In a coffin, not my little lamb. Oh, nobody could do that to my dear, sweet darling. Nobody. What are you going to do, Miss Cushions? I'm going to call the police. No. Rob, you better call him. No. You forget about Jeff Tattle, Polly? He'd do anything to hurt me. Even let Marge die. Do something, Rob. Well, are you just going to stand there and do nothing while my own little lamb... Her funeral has just taken place with the dead. You're wasting a lot of time, Rod. There isn't much left. We need help, Polly. We need a whole town full of people to help us search everywhere. I don't know a single man or woman in this town that I could trust except Sylvia. I'll have to do it by myself. You trust Sylvia, not me? I'm sorry you said that, Polly. I'll get some shovels. There's a flashlight up in my room. Another in the car. Miss Cushions, I'm going out to the graveyard now to look for Marge. If anybody finds out where I am, they might try to stop me. 
I don't want you to tell anybody anything, Miss Cushions. Do you think for one minute I would do anything that could harm my Marge? Miss Cushions, that includes Marge's grandfather. You're not to run over there or telephone. You understand? But Mr. Weatherby should know about this. After all, he'll want to find her as much as you do. Miss Cushions, you know his heart condition. Do you want to kill Mr. Weatherby? Then I advise you not to tell him what has happened to Marge. All right, so the film just got a whole hell of a lot more interesting. Apparently, somebody buried a little girl alive. Now I'm really digging this shit. <laughs> yeah, There's finally. a little girl buried alive. Oh. How awesome is that? Why? What? Yeah. Huh? She's going to die. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> she gonna die. Are you okay? Yeah, I am now. Oh, God. Yeah, all right. So now when they're frantically looking for the little girl, there's something at stake. It's not just, you know, where's the little annoying girl? Yay. All right, so with this, the Doc and Polly go outside and find his daughter's teddy bear covered in a clay-like earth, indicating that it is from dirt deep in the ground, not just topsoil. They drive this home, and it's been clearly smeared all over the bear, but, you know, whatever. They know Graveyard dirt. <laughs> Graveyard dirt, right. So they know that this child has been buried alive. And in my notes, I wrote, fuck yes. So apparently I'm really into that. Good God almighty. <laughs> and this isn't like a pup named Scooby-Doo. This isn't where Freddy's always red herring. They've already set you up with multiple, multiple possible suspects that are legit. Yeah. And literally anybody could be a suspect in this film at this point. A fiance that doesn't like kids, the jealous mm-hmm. nurse, the mm-hmm. negligent housekeeper. Yep. And the there's the sheriff with the beef in the background too. So you got you got four just right there and we're barely into the movie. The sheriff has more beef than both of our home states combined, guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of beef. That's a lot. And Matt and I's current home state. Yeah, right. Added into the There's mix. A lot of beef in- he still got a lot of beef. A lot of beef. Huge beef with this guy. And it's still kind of hard to find him threatening because it's just Thurston Howell. Thurston Howell the third. <laughs> in a fucking sheriff's uniform. I'd be pissed. Very- I'd have a lot of beef too if I would have threw her tour, got locked out of an island and then when I finally got back the only job waiting for me was the sheriff's job of some shit little town. Uh, okay, I'm glad I let you go there because it took you a while but once you got there it was almost funny. <laughs> almost funny. Well, it's more fun to rip into you for not being funny Yeah. than to just try and cut you off midway. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I can see the ball being thrown and heading towards the stained glass window but it's in a church so fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's what ends up happening. Go back to talking about your love for missing children. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have a love for it. <laughs> I don't it could have fucking fooled me. I'm just saying the world would be a better place if we didn't have to have children in it. <laughs> you were a child once. <laughs> you know what? You were just hatched <laughs> in a lab. You don't once. know my you don't know my life. <laughs> you know what? I hated other kids when I was a kid too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the pair take off and they begin the search for the suffocating little girl as the housekeeper wanders over to Mr. Weatherby's, even though she was told not to go there. She goes to his house and she ends up what I thought was waking him up, but it looks like he just had his head lowered onto his desk in his grief and was just sobbing silently in the corner. Uh, that's yeah, what I, I do. That's like a Tuesday night for me. You're cutting <laughs> into my sobbing time right now. <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was just drunk at first, but then you wake up and he looks like he's kind of been crying a little bit, so... Yeah, this was... uh, I I don't know who played Mr. Weatherby, but this look that he has on his face and the way that they made it look like he was crying, I don't know if he actually worked himself up or if they did the old trick where they make the tears happen with the mentholate stuff they blow on the eyes or whatever it is that they used to do back in the day. And then he just sells it as being a good actor, but you actually feel the the sorrow and the the loss that this man is going through. It's one of the highlights of the film is this guy's acting. He's really good. And at some point in my notes, I even wrote, man, how much better would Vincent Price
creeps me in this role because of some of the creepy stuff the guy says. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I believe that, I I don't know for sure because I didn't do the research, but this feels like a movie that was made before Castle and Vincent Price became friends because if that's the case, he would have so ate the hell out of this role. He would have chewed the scenery like a mother. Unless Vincent Price had like another obligation. Yeah. Well, he's also not age appropriate at the time to play an older man that would be the father of these daughters, I don't think so. Because we get so used to thinking as Vincent Price as As an an older older man. man. Yeah. But you take this film and you put Vincent Price as an older man in that role. He would have he would have fucking chewed the scenery like a motherfucker with this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, my notes are really fucking morbid right now. I wrote that she wakes him up with the good news that little March has been buried alive in a coffin. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I wrote good news, man. It's good news. It's good news. I see it. Yeah, it's in the notes. I, man. You know, you didn't have to show me. And doing the show and knowing you as long as I have, and then doing the show with you as long as we have, I kind of believed it already. <laughs> that I wrote that. I'd have been shocked if you hadn't wrote it. If you wouldn't have been shocked that I made that up, though, just on the spot to no, try I and have been outrage sh- you more. Actually, none of the ways this could have gone would have shocked me. <laughs> <laughs> Whether I made it up or not, nothing's shocking nothing anymore. Nothing's shocking to me anymore. <laughs> right after he learns that little Margie has been buried alive, old man Weatherby ends up listing off the dead girls that are in his family, his daughters, his wife, and all of that. And that's when I notated once again that this was dialogue that was meant for Vincent Price. <laughs> yeah. It, you can tell that the stuff that William Castle writes, why they ended up being such a great fit when they work together. I agree. It's particularly in this one that you can tell that. All right, so they cut from this to Doc's car speeding along a dark country road to the local cemetery to go digging about. Its main gate is locked, so they can't take the car inside, but there is a little side gate that Polly ends up noticing, and I swear she is about a hundred times more useful than anything the Doc can do at this point. <laughs> Literally, Polly is leading this charge. Yeah. But because she's a woman, she lets the man think he's the one doing everything. Uh, That's how it is, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's how it goes until they actually end up getting their due and everyone recognizes that ladies are, you know, pretty much propping up the I world. I still don't think that hasn't happened yet, so fortunately. <laughs> no, it hasn't. It's better, I'm, I'm, but I mean, it's better, but until that actually happens. Yeah. yeah. This is a great part of the movie, too, because they show the clock again and now it's like quarter to nine and now we're in the cemetery, so it's getting really atmospheric and kind of a little bit of fog and it's creepy. Really good William Castle stuff. This sequence, you absolutely nailed it. It's like you were reading my notes that this whole entire sequence, once they get to the cemetery and they start digging around and looking in the cemetery and searching it when they're in there, it drips with the old William Castle atmosphere. This is everything you want from his movies. Yeah. And this is one of, I think, his earlier ones, too. Again, I didn't do the research. I'm just going off of how it feels. And what I what I get from this film is he may not have perfected his craft at this point, but it's one of those things where you can see the little flagship stuff of where he starts putting in his marks of how he's going to write his stuff. This particular film actually has less of the comedic elements that his later stuff would have where it's not as tongue-in-cheek. This one is very serious and very dour for a lot of the stuff. It really is, yeah. The actual humor that comes from it is a lot of the, let's just say, difference in time frames from watching it from today to back then. Yeah. What would feel extremely dour and extremely serious then now kind of has a very comedic tone because it's broad projecting for the back of the theater style Mm -hmm. acting in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes it fun to watch, but if you take the subject matter and just view it straight and based solely on the subject matter and the things that they're talking about, this is a twisted, dark fucking movie. It really is. I fucking love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> we know. Which is why I decided to make it a prize because yeah. I, you know, I was like, I, I wanted to be able to celebrate for whoever wanted to come on the show. And that was you, Chris. And it's only been like, yeah, it's only been like another fucking year since you won. So, <clears throat> <laughs> and I did a little bit of research too, and I found out that uh, William Castle he believed so much in the script, he actually mortgaged his house so he could get the money to get it off the ground. Wow, that is a hell of a risk. So this must have been his first one, and this must have been the success of this must have launched him then, I'm guessing. Uh, I think he had a couple films before this, but it was more like westerns, and he did, I know he did some TV work. This is one of the early ones. Like you said earlier, I, I'm not sure if he worked with Vincent Price before this or after. I kind of get those uh, Tingler and House on Haunted Hill all jumbled up. Yeah, but the important thing is that whatever it was, he believed in this so much that he actually mortgaged his house to make this film. Well, it kind of reminds me of the when Bill Gibson put up all his own money to make The Passion of the Christ, and then that had paid dividend for him. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, it's, it goes around those you know, realms of... You're never going to lose money making a movie about Jesus. Unless, probably not. Unless you're fucking Martin Scorsese and you try and make it all artsy. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah, I'm but... I'm just saying, you can. He oh. did take a risk. It's like the South Park episode. You say whatever you want about Mel Gibson, but the son of a bitch knows plot structure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically the Stations of the Cross on film. But goddamn, after they're done whipping Jesus, I always want a steak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rare. Really rare. <laughs> All right. So they get their way into the cemetery and they're looking about to try and find a possible spot where the grave might be dug that the child's coffin that contains Marge is buried. And as they're looking around, they basically are using as much rationale as they can to try and figure out where they need to look, how they're going to search and everything like that. And I actually found this very interesting where they're trying to decide how she may have been buried and where. And that actually is going to be our next clip. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? There's so many, Polly. She could be anywhere in any one of them. He really has buried her, Rod. He couldn't do it without leaving a trace. Let's look for a grave that's been tampered with. Fresh dirt. Mom. Found it. He just walked right to it. Found it. This is fresh dirt like the clay of Marge's teddy bear. It isn't here. Shh. What's the matter? It's some. Hear it now. Ron. We've got to think like the man who did this. It's the only way we're going to find Marge. There are four or five upright citizens in this town who hate me enough or are cruel enough or crazy enough to bury a child alive. I can't think like any of them. All we can do is search every inch of this ground for fresh digging. No, I heard something. It's like whispering. I didn't. <laughs> I heard something. It was like whispering. I didn't. I didn't. And therefore, everything I say goes because you're just a female and you're suffering from hysteria. But it's great because she's on point. We got to look for fresh dirt. So either she's like really on point or maybe she took the kid. You're not sure. And then there's a sense of paranoia that starts building when they hear the whispering noise. Yeah. Maybe she's hearing the voices because she's completely crazy. Maybe that she's doing this, but not for any malicious reason, even though he suspects that everyone in the town is out to get him. Yeah. The only way the misogyny could be worse is she goes, yeah, we have to look for fresh uh, dirt. And the guy goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great idea I'm having. <laughs> no, he's just like, no, no, no. That's that's all wrong. We have to go look for fresh dirt. <laughs> he literally mansplains her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me explain to you what fresh dirt is. So anyway. So what we're and looking for is a grave that's clearly been disturbed. I literally just said that. Shush, 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 shush. I'll explain it to you. Don't worry your pretty little face. And what the hell did they do that he would have four to five people willing to kidnap and possibly murder his child. Just being a shitty doctor, being a bad husband. 
Uh, clearly, he has Matt's personality, and therefore, that's why people want to kill him and or hurt his child. Oh, dude. Holy Jesus. <laughs> that's dark. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not threatening your child. I'm just saying that people would hate you that much. No. Not even me. I can't even make people hate me that much. Oh, I don't know, Matt. <laughs> there are some days. Oh, dude. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> You're all right? I'm all right. I'm in denial. I'm, I'm good. In, I'm fine. <laughs> It's great here. You are so pronoid some days. <laughs> All right. So after this, they scan the cemetery with their flashlights and actually doing it pretty intelligently where she takes one side of the cemetery and he takes the other and they go back and forth with the flashlight looking for any more signs of disturbed graves or freshly dug graves or anything like that. And it's at this point in the film where they're scanning this creepy ass cemetery that feels like an old school, like a uh, universal monster movie cemetery. And they're scanning back and forth that I really start getting into the movie. This is what really draws me in because it's creepy. It's atmospheric. You don't know if she's the one that's just basically leading him for some kind of sadistic game. You don't know if someone else in the town is doing this and they're following just to watch him. And they even talk about that while they're scanning the cemetery. That yeah. Whoever it is could be watching them. They could just be doing this just to kind of like a sicko who is basically getting off on their torment of trying to find the child and the paranoia that sets in and all every single noise that comes in. They think it might be a person. They end up inspecting a crypt, but find that it's locked. And then at some point, Polly ends up thinking that she saw something moving in the cemetery and then they kind of get distracted and they think that maybe the child would be buried at Nancy's freshly dug grave for the funeral that night so they go to check that out there's still a ladder in the grave and once they get there that once again leads us to our next clip if you look down into an open grave and saw nothing dig a hole in the bottom of the grave put the little coffin in summon the dirt to cover the coffin and throw the rest up on the mound it's coming let's get out it's too late. Who's that? What are you doing down there? Okay, Who's down there? That was 20 seconds. How can you not put that dialogue in there where they go, if you stand over a grave and look down in and you think of a child, all the stuff that they're saying, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this would make a great radio play. Yeah. That's, it's this point with his last clip. That's why I went back and grabbed it when you see the ladder and everything. The way the dialogue is set up and the way that everything is so, pretty much everybody explaining things as they're happening, this would so perfectly be an old school, like 1930s radio play. I agree. Oh man. And it would have been creepy too. That reminds me of an audio book at one point. But same thing. Yeah, same same, thing. I mean, it's the same premise. Audio books are an extension of radio plays, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. Especially the way that they do them now with the, the dramatic readings and stuff like that. So It's perfect, too, because you uh, they're down in the grave, and then they hear somebody, and it turns out to be the caretaker with a gun. But then you think, well, they're kind of screwed. But then somebody knocks out and takes out the ter- caretaker. Now, you know, now they really are screwed because maybe the killer's up there. Yeah, they don't know who's up there. They don't know who knocked out the caretaker. All yeah. they know is they heard a sound on the shot gun went off. You're already in a freshly dug grave, so you're kind of kind of screwed. Yeah, and as far as hiding a body goes, this is the best plan you can actually come up with. I, I just have to say, you basically find a freshly open grave that's ready to go for someone that's going to be buried. You dig a couple of feet deeper. You put your evidence and body you want to dispose of, so when the funeral happens, they bury it for you, and no one will hardly ever go any deeper than a coffin no. unless they suspect something has happened. Yes. But you have to make sure you pack the dirt back down the way that it needs to be, and make it look like no one dug even deeper whenever you dive. Uh, You've done really this. thought way too much into this. Thought it sounds or? like he's done it, man. Um, no. You're, of course <laughs> You're not. describing it very lovely, <laughs> lovingly. You're going to get higher court or else you're guilty. <laughs> Wait, if I don't get, my voice doesn't get higher, I'm guilty? Yeah, oh, see, now I don't believe, yeah, so you're Is fine. Is that how it works? 
next. Yeah, you've never done that. Oh, okay. Right, see? Yeah, never. never. Why would I do that? <laughs> wait, wait. Don't get too high. <laughs> you got to find the right level. Oh, if only people would tell me that when I was younger. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> three marijuanas. <laughs> All it takes is three marijuanas before you're burying a child alive. Jesus. <laughs> just saying. It's a dangerous drug. It is. It's a very dangerous drug. Typically, if I have three marijuanas, I'm just asleep. <laughs> I'm not that active. <laughs> And also a homosexual. And that has nothing to do with the marijuana. That's just the given time. <laughs> given enough time, Matt will revert to his natural state. Gelatinous? I don't. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I got nothing better than that one. Yeah. That's that's a really good self dig. All right. So during the clip, the pair climb into the grave to dig and are then found by the grave digger, as we mentioned. He hears them after he goes to cover up the grave because I think they hit their shovels together or something like that. And that sequence where he covers up the grave and it gets pitch black and we're left in the dark with them for a while and there's just the sound of stuff going on over top of them that's another thing that William Castle likes to use in his films where it's just pitch black and noise that's how he opens House on Haunted Hill yeah but it's mostly screaming that's like super loud and everything which is his own kind of gimmicky effect but that'd be super effective imagine you're in a theater in the 50s and it's suddenly black and all you're hearing is these noises in the graveyard yeah it's actually really pretty ingenious for it's and very far ahead of its time which I would you can't say enough about William Castle stuff pure and simple it's always entertaining and you can tell how it could have been really really scary back when it was released of course yeah in the 1950s when they had nothing like this you know, this would probably cause people to faint. <laughs> I yeah, could see exactly, that happening. Right? They were not prepared for this level of shock. All right, so the grave digger hears them. He goes to pull the cover and he pulls a gun on them and starts asking them who they are, what they're doing there. That's when he gets clobbered. And then the pair emerge, which what else are they going to do? They're in a grave. Either way, they're screwed, so they might as well try to come out and see what's going on. But once they're there, all they do is find the unconscious caretaker just kind of laying there on the ground. As far as we know, he's just unconscious. And then they go wandering around looking and kind of backing away from what happened. And then a hand drops down and startles Polly who Jump scare yeah who screams and you know does her wilting willow routine and it turns out that it's just old man Weatherby and we got some more repository dialogue so once again that is a, another clip uh, of course Jode Weatherby Polly what are you doing out here Jode March March trying to find that man the gun thought maybe she was down in Nancy's grave what is happening Rod why must I look for my granddaughter in the grave of my daughter why Rod, why? I blame myself. I tried, but she was always rushing through her own world of darkness, rushing everywhere, getting no Nancy. Nancy. Faster, faster. Tell me where we're going a hundred miles an hour. I want to live fast, love fast, and die fast. Take your foot off the gas, Miss Weatherby. There's a cop behind us. Anyway, I can't steer going this fast. Hi, Jimbo. Well, if it isn't my little old blonde built-in headache. When'd you get back, Nancy? Yesterday. Would you like to hear me say something in Italian, Spanish, German, or do you prefer French, Jimbo? Meet anybody interesting over there? Only men. Those foreign docs help you any? Nope. I'll be blind forever and ever. I see you got yourself a new chauffeur. Darling. <laughs> Nick, this is Jim Tylo. He'll be arresting us every hour on the hour. Hey, Jim, you know this thing can really travel? Yeah, and it can kill you, too. Is that bad, Jim? Bad for other people. They've got the edge. They can see me. Nick, take this heap home. I'm riding with the chief of police. Going to catch up on all the gossip. Nice having you back, Nancy. Same old Jimbo. How's Rod Barrett? You uh, gonna stay home a while? Oh, I don't know. Dad says he's fine, but he doesn't sound fine. Alice dying like that hit him pretty hard. Hit you pretty hard, too, didn't it, Jim? Hey, isn't the way home? Well, it's one way. The way I like best. Bud, bud, 
So during this flashback during the clip, the blind woman Nancy starts snogging with Thurston Howell, a.k.a. the sheriff, and then they cut away from that and we see Nancy going swimming. This is a very long flashback from the cemetery. Yeah. All triggered by the old man Weatherby doing his very best version of a John Carradine routine. He sounds so much like John Carradine. I actually kind of wanted to see John Carradine in the role now, <laughs> which is a sign of a good actor. He reminds me of other actors that I admire <laughs> in his performance. So there's that. Did you two recognize Nancy from November? Was she uh, the the pal from Vertigo? Was it? Oh, no? she was she was the wife in Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet. Oh God damn it! Yeah, no way. Nice. Ah, That's yeah. pretty cool. So, I, but you know what? Nancy's the right, wife. Because uh, I don't think she was blonde in Twenty Thousand Feet. She I was certainly she, not blind. Uh, well, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> or maybe she was because she did marry William Shatner. Yeah, she did marry the. Shat. Well, you don't have to be able to not see to marry you the shat. You, you need to be able to not hear. <laughs> it helps if you're deaf to marry the shat, I think. And bringing it back to our uh, uncut dick uh, talk before the show started. Whoa. That uh, episode was directed by uh, Richard Donner, so. Oh, uncut uh, as in uh, Superman yeah. too. Real quick, that's still a clip. <laughs> that might be a better clip. Yeah. That, that sounded better. <laughs> Alright, so Nancy's going swimming at the end of this uh, cutaway scene with her and uh, Thurston Howell, the third and i think that this swimming scene is just a needless sequence unless they're trying to show off just how fucking cool that pool is for the 1950s it's like half indoor and half outdoor and it has this thing that closes over top of the pool that you can swim under that was fucking neat as hell yeah all right so she's swimming when a man shows up and tells her she could dive in someday without any water and she laughs and says something about ngoka bloom and that would be great nancy gives zero fucks apparently because she's blind she's self-destructive and a bit of an alcoholic. Did anybody else get the inclination that she's drunk all the time? Yes. <laughs> Particularly yes. when she first is driving drunk. That's another thing, too. She's drunk. She's got a foot on the accelerator, and then she has blind. another guy. Yeah, she's blind, <laughs> and the guy's steering for her, but she gets to choose how fast they're going. That's fucked up. Can man. the dude at least get a break? Yeah. Like, He's I mean, a a, like, like a physical like break. The actual break. <laughs> yeah, and she is totally <laughs> a pistol, man. She's Nancy seems like the kind of girl that Matt would have liked to have met in his younger days. No comment. Once. No, there's only so many things you can do at the old, uh, Abandoned grain storage building. <laughs> and he knows because he lives in Wisconsin. Yeah, so yeah right. That's, there's one. There's, there's one, one abandoned grain building in that, the entire there's state. There's actually just one building in the entire state of Wisconsin <laughs> where you go to hang besides, out. Besides Lionbill Field. <laughs> That's all you guys have. That's all we got. It can't Randall. <laughs> Okay, so, yeah, she laughs about diving in and possibly getting killed. Doesn't really seem to give any fucks about her life. She ends up coming on to him. That's another thing. It seems like Nancy loves men and is a very strong woman who just likes sex. Very sensual being. Now I'm starting to kind of crush on her a little bit. You're right. Despite the fact that she's blonde. And blind. No, the blind thing I'm okay with. The blind helps you yeah. out, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't let her feel your face. You'll be all right. Helps me out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Pot, kettle, black, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> People in glass houses should stop put the mirror down. People in glass houses should pick the mirror up. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then at some point, they fade from her coming on to this guy at the pool, and then they fade into a fan, which happens to be at the doc's office. And then Nancy is pretty much told that she is pregnant. The doctor yes. says that she has options to go away for a while and give birth, and she's like, so the baby can be blind like me. And Nancy kind of alludes to some very, uh, let's say, coat hangering she wants to have done for the baby. A little back alley stuff. Because it's not legal yet in the States, which is wrong. It's so wrong. And that's also our next clip because I love abortion. Oh my God. <laughs> what? Really? Wait, let me play that's the clip. That's segue to the clip. Yes, let me play the clip. Jesus. There's no doubt about it, Nancy. So what do I do now, Rod? Marry him. Let's say it was person or persons unknown. It's the only solution, Nancy, unless you go away somewhere for a while. Have it born blind the way I've been all my life? Rod, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not just going to marry some man either. I don't want to be a wife and I won't be a mother. I just... I want to be what I've been all my life. Nothing. So? No. What if Dad finds out? What would that do to him? It could be serious. Another heart attack. Exactly. I'm the only thing that Dad has now, Rod. He's proud of me. God knows why. And he loves me. And if he finds out... Only a doctor, Nancy. I have no power, no authority to weigh one human life against another. Won't you help me and tell me what to do? How can I, Nancy? I'm a doctor. Dr. Barron. What? How badly? Well, get her to the hospital right away. I'll be there. What? Never mind that now. Quickly, get going. Always rushing through our own world of darkness, rushing everywhere, getting nowhere. Nancy, Nancy, Alice is gone. Nancy is gone. All I have left, Rod, is March. Oh, find her, son. We will, Jordan, but you shouldn't be out here. I wanted to help if I could. Nothing you can do. Where do you think she is? Here, somewhere. Uh, don't let anyone know you're out here. They'll stop you. Find her, please. You killed him, Jordan. This is bad for all of us. Until Marge is safe, no one must know that Hummel is dead. If Jim Tylo finds... No one. Joe, you can't stay out here now. Holly, take him to my house. Miss Cushions, Marge. Oh, Mr. Weatherby, what have they done with my baby? Who was the last person to see the child? Sylvia Stevenson brought her home. Then you were the last, Miss Cushion. Yes, I, I suppose so. Except whoever took her away. You've taken care of the Weatherbys all your life, haven't you? First Mrs. Weatherby, then Alice and Nancy, and now it's March. A lifetime. But the end is coming. When the doctor marries Mrs. Stevenson, there'll be no place near Marge for you. You don't think... There is still time, Miss Cushion. Hello? Holly? Have you... No, now listen, think back hard. That... Where exactly did he say Marge was? In her coffin. Out here? Well, he didn't say where, but the, the teddy bear had cemetery dirt on it. Spend later. Now try to remember, did he say that she had buried... He said that her funeral had just taken place and that she was with the dead. Funeral with the dead? Nancy is dead. Oh, Rod, not in the same coffin with Nancy. I'm going to quickly... I'll go with you. No, Polly. Now, I want to. Where are you? That's right, but not in front, in the alley. He thinks she's with Nancy? I will find you if anything. Polly, I alone have the right to open Nancy's coffin. Polly, why? Why? If she's with Nancy. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack in that freaking clip. Why? Yeah, that's brutal. Especially with the whole possible botched abortion angle. Oh, it's and not possible. That- it's a botched abortion. He refused oh, to do it. She went to a doctor that was like back alley drinking fucking whiskey and dumping it on her right before he jammed the fucking coat hanger in. Fucked it up really bad. Probably the same guy who did the abortion from Dirty Dancing did this one. God damn, oh dude. God. You are, dude. You have a whole scenario in your head. <laughs> you got problems, man. I know I do. <laughs> I'm fucking around, Matt. I'm, I know. Although, But that flashback has a lot of stuff packed into it because you're not quite sure because it's a flashback what the passage of time is. If she was knocked up by one of the Italian guys when she was in Europe trying to find a surgery to cure her blindness 
or if it was Jimbo who's in love with her dead sister who bopped her, or <laughs> it's uh, uh, or the, the pool uh, boy Italian, guy that shows up, the, the chauffeur, the guy who was at the pool. You you don't know who the who the father is. So and she does say whenever she's talking with the doctor, it could be any number of men. Like she pretty much implies, I've been getting around. Is that a clip? <laughs> yeah, that's I've, clip. I've been getting around. Yeah, yeah. But hey, I have no problem with any of that with her living her life and and being free and everything. The big problem that I have in the society that she's existing in right now, she's not able to take care of a baby that she does not want, nor does she need. Yeah, that's where I'm saying a proportion for I, that. I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, choice. I'm sorry, choice. No choice. All right. So with this. And the father declaring that he is the only one that has the right to open his daughter's casket. Not sure what that kind of daddy-daughter relationship implies. Um, <laughs> Just saying. He feels no, ownership of her? Well, I mean, that's how it was back then. But like, Unless they got married off. And, and that's yeah, the whole giving your daughter away thing. But like, really weird. what is he implying that opening her casket is something that he is the only one who has the right to do it? Yeah, is it his her, love He's her, her next to kin, so I don't think there's anything, you know underhanded or creepy about it. I think he just doesn't want her disturbed unless he's the one doing the disturbing. Mm. So you're saying it's not incestuous necrophilia. <sighs> Why do you always gotta go there? Now Court's <laughs> disappointed. You've hurt Court's feelings, I am. Chris. I'm a little sad, Chris. Why do I always gotta go there? Because that's where my mind constantly is. With this, they break into the funeral home. They go looking around the funeral home, and I like how they go in the showroom area. They start looking in each and every individual casket in the showroom area first. They even kind of hesitate whenever they go to open the child's casket that is still in the showroom area. This is extremely creepy stuff because you have that flashing light that kind of goes out and comes back up in the showroom while they're moving the coffins around and opening them up. Yeah. They're using flashlights. They're very apprehensive. They've broken into a mortuary. This is like straight up horror great shit right here. Yeah. This is a really great sequence. This is the second thing that gets you coming back to this movie every time. And it's 11 o'clock before they break in. So, you know, they only got an hour before either that kid's running out of air or they gotta go to the next funeral for Nancy. And somebody might be showing up for the funeral to prepare it for Nancy because that's what's coming up at midnight and you know that somebody's gonna try and get shit ready at least at 1130. Oh, of course. And from my experience of uh, raiding funeral homes, you definitely need at least 45 minutes to prepare a perfect scenario for the, the grieved people in the funeral home. <laughs> that's just there. They can't hear you staring at me. Nothing left to say. <laughs> There's nothing left. You need to use your words, you know Tweety. No more movies about dead bodies or graveyards. You go into a whole weird spot with that. Do I need to remind you who runs Barter Town? That's fine. I'm just saying. You're getting kind of weird. I'm getting kind of weird? You're definitely on a list. <laughs> Alright, so they check every casket in the showroom. They go digging through. They're looking for everything. And every time they open a casket, you can just feel the soul of Old Man Weatherby being crushed. It's really, really grim. And the grief that just keeps being piled upon him knowing that his granddaughter the last of the line that is his offspring is slowly dying as they're bittering away trying to find her and they kind of don't want to find her because what if they're too late there's yeah. all this tension that's built up with the scene it's inherent. great it's, it's really uh, high suspense oh yeah it's super intense too yeah uh, they hear a sound of breathing which is like all over the place it seems to be coming from all these different directions and it sounds like this heavy breathing it's like <sighs> kind of breathing. It's really weird. Wait, wait, wait. Go a little bit slower. <laughs> no. Maintain eye contact. 
<laughs> Why do you close your eyes when we make love? <laughs> All right, so they hear the sound of the breathing, and th- yeah, and they end up. This ends up sending Old Man Weatherby and everybody else into a fervor as they search the coffins even more. And they're searching coffins they've already looked in and know that it's empty. They opened the whole thing and looked. They know nothing's in there, but they keep searching because they're hearing the breathing. It's just driving them all up the wall. They're just losing their shit. Yeah, man, really losing their minds. And then finally, they break open the door to what I'm assuming is the embalming room. I It's got tile walls, and from my experience of being in mortuaries, it looks an awful lot like the embalming room. I'm just saying. How many mortuaries have you been in for not funerals? <laughs> yep, that number's entirely too high. <laughs> Your silence speaks volumes. I'm still counting. <laughs> Legally or nefarious? Nefarious. That the man's only got two hands, Matt. <laughs> and one of them's currently busy thinking about being in a mortuary. <laughs> They end up breaking open the door to the embalming room, and there in the embalming room is obviously Nancy's casket. And when the mortician walks in, the doc starts throttling the man, slamming him against the door, and just starts interrogating him, screaming, like, tell me this, tell me that, what is this, what is that? And, like, the guy can't even fucking talk because he's being choked, so how do you even understand what he's saying? <laughs> I never get that in movies. They interrogate someone while choking them. Like, they, they can't really say anything. Yeah, you're, you're supposed to be having sex with them while you choke them like that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I agree with Chris. Nice. <laughs> you know, he said yikes. Oh, yikes? Oh, no, nice. <laughs> <laughs> we just found something Matt's into, folks. <laughs> Put your belt away. No. <laughs> No! <laughs> Put the belt back where it belongs. Don't go in excess on us. <laughs> I thought you liked David Carradine. I think the guy from In Excess and David Carradine are hanging out together in hell. Uh, hey, Get, yeah. It? Yeah. Get it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? yeah. Hanging out? Yeah, yeah. I, we all got it. Okay. Everyone who's going to get it got it. Let's move on. <laughs> Good. All right, so while he's throttling the mortician, he's asking him a tons of questions, and it turns out that this sound is some type of machine that has a bellows that pumps air in and out, and it's supposed to help the bereaved with their mourning to think that the deceased is breathing? I don't understand this logic. This, that sounds that right. This is not a thing. Uh, so not a thing. That doesn't make any sense. No, it's just, no, this does not exist. That's not how that works. Yeah, the movie's pretty solid, but this is the one thing I could not get my head around. I I don't know if that was an actual thing. Uh, so not a thing. I don't know how they could be calming to hear breathing coming from the casket of somebody you're about to bury. It's not. It's not in any way, shape, or form. If anything, it's worse. The only kind of people that would want to hear breathing coming from the casket of the person who has passed on is someone who wants to bury them alive and is hoping that no one else will notice. I mean, this is not a normal thing. And I just cannot picture anybody actually wanting this or requesting no, this service ever. that would be, ever. yeah, horrendous. Yeah, horrific. And we get an explanation as to why this ridiculous thing happens, and we're going to just press the I Believe button now because it's being explained by a man who's pretty much going to get beaten to death by a mad doctor if he doesn't do what he's told. Exactly. Alright, so he goes back into throttling again after the machine is explained and turned off and the doc chokes him, demanding to know where his daughter is. Then the mortician absolutely knows nothing and is horrified, and I mean horrified, to hear that a child could possibly be buried alive and that they would implicate him in that. He thinks that is just the most horrible thing ever. They then threaten him some more and the sheriff shows up as that is happening and that leads to our Next clip. I don't know anything about March. <laughs>
I think he's telling the truth, Rod. Now, listen, Quigley. Keep your mouth shut about Marge, you understand? We're going out to the graveyard now to look. We're all going to the graveyard, Doc. Good evening, Mr. Weatherby. Tyler. Somebody swipe another coffin, Ed? Huh? What's this about a stolen coffin? Somebody broke in here last night and stole a child's coffin. At least that's what Ed says. Hummel here yet? I haven't seen him. Is that the way you dress for a funeral, Doc? With dirt all over? Better go change. Jim. Jim, I couldn't get Hummel on the phone. Old man's never been late before. Hummel or no Hummel, we better get rolling. We'll help you load up. You don't mind helping, do you, Doc? After this, they wheel out Nancy's coffin because the caretaker who normally does this type of work has gone missing, and it's extremely out of his character because, as they mentioned, he is an old man who is trustworthy and would never just disappear for a reason at all. Mm, then we kind of see, as they're wheeling out this coffin, a sort of rogues gallery lineup where you see a brief moment where they hold on each character's face, and it looks like our main doc is looking around at everybody and seeing who the suspects are. And this is where I was like, okay, we get it. It's a mystery. We wonder know if it could be any of these people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get it. But it's old school. This is, you would get this in a mystery movie. You would get this even in the, again, if we go back to the radio play, instead of having the visualized version, if it was in the radio play, it's now we're going to take a break, but who could it be? The doctors, you know, yeah. nurse, uh, da, 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 you yeah, know, they name exactly. off all the people. Could it even be old man Weatherby? Has his mind been twisted by the deaths of his daughters <laughs> you know it's very you know it could very be. much like the ending of the weekly batman uh tv show you know tune Will in the dynamic duo be able to get away tune in same child buried alive time same child buried alive channel why do i feel like if that you ever heard that you would never change the channel <laughs> i'll listen forever because i probably would uh-huh. but they're all all legit suspects and i i just like the how uh the sheriff just sits in the doorway while Doc is throttling the creepy mortician and then he just drops all those little little nuggets you know the the missing uh, coffin if that's what really happened and blah 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 and blah 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 the missing caretaker you know yeah is the sheriff suspicious of the doc and he's trying to give himself enough rope to hang himself with is he suspicious of someone else in there is he the one that's actually responsible for all of this and is he just tormenting the man that he clearly hates with a passion for stealing his woman find out the same child bearing alive time same child buried alive channel <laughs> after this rogues gallery we then quickly dissolve to see the doc standing outside and then Polly making a break for it to run outside they're doing a quick getaway to head back to the cemetery before the actual graveside service is taking place i'm assuming and they want to go looking once again for the coffin or a freshly dug earth or anything because they didn't find anything at the mortuary they ponder who could have done this horrible thing and that actually leads to our next clip time's running out you know that coffin that Jim was talking about? You couldn't walk around town carrying a coffin. A car? Hmm? Truck? Like Hummel's or a hearse? Like Ed's? Who else could drive out to this graveyard with a coffin in broad daylight without everybody in town wondering why? Hummel in a truck or Ed in a hearse? No one question Jim Tyler. Rod, look. Many people could have done it, but who would do it? Somebody. They were a little crazy. Might think Marge would be better off with her mother. Better off? And turned over to a woman like Sylvia, who only wanted to use Marge as a stepping stone to her own ambition. Maybe that's why they call them stepmothers. It's enough, Polly. Oh, this isn't it. This is just part of the pattern, putting fresh dirt on graves that make us dig and waste time. All right, Polly. Out with it. Things they said about Alice. Blaming me for her death? Nancy, cushions, Jim Tyler, everybody. Do you? No, not physically. What do you mean, not physically? Not with your hand, not with poison. You and Sylvia, when Alice was so sick with Marge and the whole town talking. Alice Weatherby, now your husband's going to blame me for this. Oh, shush. Alice! 
Hello, Polly. <laughs> you look as though you'd seen a ghost. It's just been such a long time. Hello, Miss Gleason. Um, the doctor's busy now. I'll tell him you're here. Thanks. Thanks so much, Rod. Your wife here, Doctor. Alice, here? Now, about lunch. I'll do my best, Sophie. I won't accept that. Country club, one o'clock. Alice, what in the world? Hello, darling. Right. Hello, Sylvia. Alice, it's so good to see you up and about. Been so long. I must rush now. Goodbye, Alice. Bye-bye, Rod. Alice, really? This is very foolish, Miss Cushions. Oh, don't blame me. I tried my best to stop. Oh, I'm just so tired of staying in bed all the time. Nine months, Rod. Alice, when we decided, knew the danger. This is the worst thing you could do. But I feel much better today. Rod, I want you to take me for a drive in the country, and then we can have lunch somewhere. I, I even want a car. Darling, the only drive you're going to take is straight back home. Oh, please, just, just a little drive, and then just lunch some. Alice, please. The time is so short. Just take it easy for a little, Miss Cushions will drive you home, Dad. Couldn't you drive me home and then, oh, just stay long enough for lunch, dear? I'd like to, but I've got appointments, all that. All right, off you go, darling. Be very careful on the streets, Miss Cushions. Is Dr. Barrett come? No, I don't know where he is. Thanks, Sylvia. I'm worried about Alice. Couldn't have gotten up today. Got to relax sometime, Rod. I don't really need this, you know. Just being here with you tonight. These past months have been hard on you, Rod. You've become so tense. Has me worried a lot. You've got to think of yourself a little, Rod. You're simply too good to waste your talents in a town like this. Hello? Uh, is Dr. Barrett there, Sylvia? No, I'm afraid not. Where? No, I'm sorry, I don't. It's been a terrible time for you and Alice, hasn't it? A friend is a wonderful thing to have. You know, you've just about saved my life this past year. That's what I'm here for, to help all I can. You can't live continued sickness. Is Dr. Barrett in? Not at Sylvia's or his office or the hospital. Well, we can't waste any more time. Where's Rod? Can Rod for me? Please, please! Oh, now, don't! No, it's all right! Oh, no, don't, no, no, it's all right! Oh, get Jim, Jim Tyler, quick. Oh, oh Alice. All right, baby. Run, where are you? Oh. Doc, how'd you get in here? What? Anything on your mind, Jim? Nothing much. Must be pretty important to keep you up this late. Well, I'd come by and congratulate you, Doc. Me? What about? Father of a seven-pound daughter. Alice. Yeah, she's dead. This is only the beginning of what you're going to pay, Doc. There'll be lots more. And Alice was so sick with Mart, whole town talking. I think you're a good doctor, but Sylvia has ruined you as a man just the way she ruined her first husband. And I think she's ruined you as a father. The way you neglect Marge is shame. You've never been fair about Sylvia, not even honest with yourself. I wonder. You've watched me suffer now for hours, haven't you? Watch this thing take me apart. But it hasn't been enough for you, not yet. So you'll wait. You'll wait until you're sure I can't take it one minute more. Are you doing it to teach me a lesson? But it make me so grateful to you for saving my child that I'll forget all about Sylvia. Is that it? The phone call. How do I know there was a phone call? That was a dandy while it lasted. Besides fist fighting, what else are you two doing out here? You forget, Jim. Nancy's funeral, remember? A couple of shovels at the wrong grave. Jim, listen. Holly? Someone has taken Marge and Barrett are alive in a coffin. Help us to find it, Jim, please. What all? Look, we've looked everywhere out here. Tomb, that's it. Now, wait a minute. It's my family's tomb. It's locked and it's been locked. You got a key? No, Hummel keeps it. Nobody can get in. There is a lot to unpack in this fucking huge clip. This is the basic crux of the entire film. Is this the longest clip we've ever had? No. 
off the top of my head, I want to say when we did Pontypool. Oh, yeah, 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 Because yeah, there yeah. was just so much there. There's so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally the whole entire movie could have been a clip on Pontypool, and it was it's the same thing with this. There's so much great dialogue and back and forth and talking, and I just didn't want to take any of it out, so I just pulled it all as clips. There you go. That's how it works. But basically what's going on here is his wife was pregnant. She was on bed rest, which was ordered for her health because she's an extremely high risk of not only losing the baby, but her own life. She ignores that due to her husband always being like busy and working and everything. They imply that the girl that he is currently scheduled to be married to, he may have had a side relationship with. I'm thinking that for 1959, they're basically saying he's a cheating motherfucker. Probably. And that one drink, if you will, was her seducing him and closing the deal. Yeah. Like they were quote unquote friends, but before they actually sealed the deal, she was trying to make that happen and hinting at it. And she finally got him alone to unwind and relax, as they said in that dialogue. <laughs> yeah. And so she springs it on him. And by springs it, I mean her vagina. <laughs> right? And so while he's busy stooping this uh, lady off to the side, who is clearly a divorcee. Stooping the stoop? No, no, he's placing his penis within her vagina and thrusting repeatedly. You have a kid. You should know how that works. <laughs> yeah. no, wink, wink, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you been with a lady? Yes. Bit of how is your father? <laughs> <laughs> What's it like? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so the, I've, that's what I'm getting. Like this whole one drink thing that they're talking about has nothing to do with whether or not he was drunk while his wife was dying on the delivery table. I think everybody knows that the dice are loaded and I'm not going to quote all of Leonard Cohen, but yeah, everybody knows he was sleeping with this woman while his wife died giving birth to his child because she was neglected and she was desperate to get attention from her own husband. So she risked her life to go visit him just because she was feeling better. And if he would have just gone home with her to lunch instead of going out to be with this lady maybe she wouldn't have passed yeah Ooh. and that's the awful part too she just wanted to drive in the country a little bit of lunch maybe a brandy old-fashioned <laughs> she just literally wanted a little attention brandy from her husband fashion. thank you chris mm. <laughs> but it's pretty brutal because his pregnant wife comes to the office sylvia is there getting checked out by the doctor he checked out they're playing doctor <clears throat> and then later when she's dying he's with sylvia again and then when nobody can find him his nurse polly knows well he's not at the office he's not at the hospital so i'll give sylvia a ring that's pr pretty damning that's pretty awful poor alice is dying and can't find her doctor husband uh who does she call looking for help but sheriff jimbo her first love <laughs> who she basically put a cold shoulder on to be with the town doc yeah. and top it all off what's even worse when they call to the town crotch divorcee lady's house <laughs> looking for the doc she denies that he's there and hangs up and doesn't even ask what it's pertaining to because she wants to stop him they're going to engage in coitus beast with too bad <laughs> Sometimes three if you're lucky. <laughs> Usually you have to pay double for that kind of action. Yeah, with your face, it's probably triple. <laughs> if I had a million dollars. <laughs> Two chicks at the same time. <laughs> Got a chicks who would double up on a guy like me. <laughs> All right, so after this, Polly tries the door to the tomb, which it opens right away, and 
and she enters, looks around in the tomb, and finds the corpse of the caretaker. And what does Polly do whenever anything scary kind of happens? She screams and she welts and halfway faints and falls into the arms of the dock. The sheriff makes an offhand comment, kind of hinting that he thinks that the dock did it, that the dock may have killed this guy, and that he doesn't trust all the shit that the dock has to say. He thinks some underhanded stuff is going on. And this time around, you get the feeling that maybe it's not just about how bad the sheriff hates the guy. This may actually be the training kicking in yeah. where he's supposed to smell a rat, and I think he does. But he even then says that figures when the doc responds, oh, I have no clue what that's about. You know, I, I don't know what happened there. I have no no idea how this man was killed and then shoved into your family's tomb. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, the doc tells Polly time is about up, and they cut to that shot clock once again, and then we're at Nancy's funeral, which is extra somber and depressing because they are all wasting time while a little girl could already be dead in a coffin somewhere. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome to you? Yeah. Midnight funeral in the rain. It's all sorts of dark, twisted, and like they're technically having a secret funeral for the little girl who could have ran out of air by now. The shock clock started at like seven o'clock. They have a funeral at midnight. He said she has probably about five hours, so they're convinced she's dead now. They just haven't found her. So the grief is weighing on everyone who thinks that she might be dead. This yeah. is horrifying. It really is. And awful. Terrible. And so fucking awesome for a horror movie to do this. Well, okay, there you go. Now, you're right. It's awesome. What, you think I want kids to die in real life? Well, you might be right. <laughs> I think my silence is telling. <laughs> no, your silence just gets cut out because of truncate silence. I tell you this every week. And like a drunken Alzheimer's patient, you forget every week. So who won the contest? <laughs> Chris, we're talking to him now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think he's having fun. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. All right. So the men take turns burying Nancy because the caretaker who would normally be doing it has obviously passed and is left in the tomb of Jim's family. And so they're shoveling and shoveling and shoveling. And at some point, as they are digging, they find a child's coffin in the pile of dirt, which Doc clears by hand. He opens it and is apparently devastated by what he finds inside. And when Mr. Weatherby goes to finally take a look, it is revealed that there is a rotten corpse of a little girl inside the coffin. The shock is clearly too much for the old man as he clutches his left side right at his heart, falls into Nancy's grave, and Doc is just left there crying and turns to the group. We then hear shots are fired. A gun falls. The Doc starts to get blurry vision and starts kind of standing up but stumbling around and then ends up crawling over to where the mortician is. That's when we realize the Doc has just been shot not once but probably several times yep. and he saw that it was the mortician who does it who did it the mortician declares that the doc is crazy says that he did not do it he did not bury the little girl and then tries to dart away only to be grabbed by the sheriff and catches him the mortician throws money at the dock and that leads to our next clip take it back and take it with you because it's all you'll ever touch again. Why'd you shoot him, Ed? Nobody stole this coffin. He made me put it here. I made this thing. He brought the dress and hat. Everybody was hounding me about my debts. You too, Jim. And he promised me all I needed if I'd help Nancy. Doc could have saved her, but he let her die. And he said I was to blame. Then he started in on Joe Weatherby, talking him into having Nancy buried at midnight. 
than letting him hear that Marge had been buried alive. Doc made me build that breathing thing in my funeral parlor. Doc never let up on the old man, killing him with one shock after another. Short Weatherby was tougher than you thought, Doc. It took you almost five hours to shock him to death. All you had to do was put heart failure in the death certificate and no one would have questioned it. Help me! Jim, help me! All right. I'll take you to the hospital. My office. Go there first. All right. Come on, you two. Holy shit. Holy shit. Man, the mortician just spilled the beans. I guess there's not enough money in the world to pay off his debts to alleviate the guilt he feels for what he was accomplice to. Ooh. Yeah. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. What a great reveal. And can you imagine the shock and horror people would have had in the 50s seeing oh, yeah. the rotten corpse of a child? Yeah. That's so fucking cool. <laughs> it's so cool, man. 1958 and they did this. This is why I and love it, this movie. And it totally pays off. It's somebody who is actually in the film. It's not like Floyd the Barber, random person. It's an actual person that plausibly could have done all this. Yeah. The mortician set up the body he made it and made it look exactly like he needed to on the demand of the doctor it was the doctor's plan the entire time and holy fuck this is probably the first story that I've seen where gaslighting is performed on a man a full grown adult man they're trying to scare a man to death to give him so much shock and horror and keep him filled with so much grief that his heart just gives out wow that's awesome (laughs) that's so fucking brutal and it's 1958 this is why William Castle was the fucking man dude yeah this is pretty cool yeah yeah. All right. So with this, they then go to the office. The doc begs to go in alone with just Polly. And Polly asks him, why? Why, Rod? Why? Why would you do this? He confesses that what he wanted was the money and to scare Weatherby to death, which we kind of already figured out. He brags how it was the perfect crime yeah. and like an idiot because you didn't get away with it. Yeah, right. He then plays the tape for her so that we get to hear what was said. And it's clearly his voice only kind of manipulated to sound lower and a little different and then Paulie realizes that yeah this was him the entire time this whole horrible scenario this shock and terror and fear for this little girl was all done by the man who is supposed to be her father now during one of the last clips we actually hear Paulie talking about how he's neglecting his child this is where I got the feeling that she's only schmoozing to the dock to take care of the little girl because she feels like she's neglected and needs someone to take care of her I honestly don't think that Paulie is really in love with the dock I think he is a means to the end of getting that girl and taking care of her. I think Polly is such a protective maternal instinct because she's been raising her or been a part of her life. Since the little girl was born and Nancy died, she's been kind of a surrogate mother that the housekeeper slash caretaker couldn't be. And she even calls her at one point her little lamb, her little lamb. She so clearly loves this little girl and wants to be her mother. And that's... I still think she would have gone with the whole pack. I think she wanted that. I'm not saying that she wasn't like, you know, all up on the doc's jock. I'm sure she was into the doc and she she liked the smell of his candy. Candy, if you catch my drift. I get you. <laughs> but. I love that. That's new. <laughs> the smell of his candy. Smell of candy. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> but he, that's, the, that's the whole entire crux of the story, though, is Polly's love for the little girl and Polly's desire to take care of the little girl, of her little lamb. And that's her whole drive. And it even goes to the point now where she doesn't even really seem that upset by the doc's death. As a matter of fact, she seems to basically be like, whatever, because when he falls to the ground and gives her the key, she goes and she takes care of the little girl and she collects the little girl, checks her out make sure that she's okay and this is where I'm like god damn it the child was never even buried alive it's never running out of air she was perfectly fine Dude. yeah but do you, do you think she was just hidden in there by the doctor and just sleeping or do you think the doctor injected her to knock her out so he could go run around and do all this all I, night long 
I think that he probably gave her something, kind of like you would give a baby Benadryl to get it to shut the fuck up. Dude, that's <laughs> not what you do to a baby. You don't you don't drug a baby to shut it up? No. Man, Rescue Me's been lying to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's not normal? That's not normal. A little bit of makers? What do you say? A little bit of makers. That's the Wisconsin way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> okay. Now that's fine. That's perfectly acceptable. I, I don't know if he injected her with a really dangerous drug, because I do think that despite the fact that he's neglectful of his daughter, as he was with the wife that gave him the daughter, I think he does care about her in his own way that he wouldn't want to harm her. Otherwise, he really would have buried her alive. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, just I wonder know. if he, he gave her a sleeping pill or injected her with something, because if she would have woken up at any time and wandered out of the doctor's office, it would have blown up his uh, whole plan. Oh, yeah, totally. You're, you're, you're not wrong. I do believe that he probably gave her a draft of something that would last at least five hours or within the five-hour time frame from when he called. And what he probably did was he brought his daughter, he found her, told her that they're going to play a little game, they're going to hide, and he maybe had her hide somewhere, came back and got her, took her to his office while everybody else was looking for her in the house or making the calls or whatever. He had the little girl when he was supposed to go over to Sylvia's or wherever. He dropped the girl off at the office, gave her some kind of a sleeping pill, told her that she's going to have a little sleeping adventure here and they're going to camp out at the office and have fun. She goes to sleep. He makes the call. He goes to Sylvia's, tries to check up on the daughter, goes and does all this other stuff. And he set up everything else in advance with the funeral director at like 645 whenever yeah. the break-in supposedly happened is when all of this gets kicked off and everything is prepared. But God fucking damn it. The girl was never in any trouble, so it's kind of like a little bit like April Fool's Day where it turns out no one was actually dead. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God fucking damn it. Anyway, the little shit machine wakes up gently and is supposed to be cute, but it's just kind of annoying to me. Polly coddles the little fucking brat and then exits through the place where her father's corpse is, clearly walking right over top of it. Yeah. This is kind of a little bit of baby snatching, but then again, I don't think anybody's going to contest her, uh, right to take care of the child because you know if the child could pick yeah. <laughs> she could be the executor of the estate or whatever exactly but that leads to our last little mini clip ladies and gentlemen please do not i repeat please do not reveal the ending of this picture to your friends as it will spoil their enjoyment of it that was a note to me about april fool's day and i failed yeah <laughs> roll those credits damn it we ruined it <laughs> All right, so this is not a cinematic trauma, really. This is kind of a remedial horror, even though I did the notes. What it actually is, is Chris's contest win. Yes, it hey. is. <laughs> Was it worth doing the review and all the support that you've given us, or we disappointed you and let you down by doing this? <laughs> oh, no, it was super fun, and it's great that it's a William Castle movie because, it, like you said, it's it really holds up. People think they're kind of cheesy movies but a lot of them are really well written and if it, this didn't have the hopeful ending tacked on it, this movie would have been banned it was just been too brutal especially in 1959 we probably would have never heard of it it would have been bootlegged everywhere and actually it is almost too brutal for the time even with that happy ending and the guy like it follows the whole like haze code thing of the the film noir movies where the bad guy always gets it in the end he never wins yeah he ends up dead all the horrible things that he does there's recompense Really, I think he should have gone to jail. His daughter should have been taken from him. I think the custody should have been given to Pauly. But instead, he died. Yeah, but the super weird, still kind of dark ending, he dies. And for those of you that believe in an afterlife, he is either cursed to horrendous rebirth or hell. Yeah. Or whatever else. <laughs> in, in in my religion, he's cursed to 72 Dick Cheney's. 
<laughs> He's surrounded by 72 Dick Cheney's. That's horrible, man. He's going to get his face shot off like 72 times at least. In a row. Yeah. <laughs> they let it grow back just to do it again. Yep. Sorry, we're hunting. Bang! <laughs> no, Sorry, but, we're hunting. Yeah, but man, this film is just so intense and so dark, and this is why I picked it for the contest, because I knew it would be a fun time for whoever the winner was to come on and talk with us about it. And it wasn't until I actually let somebody pick their own movie in addition to that that things started picking up a little bit. Yeah. That, and I think I started it too early. I think our audience was still growing when I did this. Yes. But Chris won, so he actually will be coming back next week with a movie of his choice, but we won't be saying what that is. We're just oh, going to leave that oh, out there. Oh, we're going to bury the lead on that? Yeah. And you're going to be doing the review, so Chris got to pick the film with which to torture you. Oh, okay. That was the carrot I dangled out for do everybody. a real shitty review for Chris. <laughs> then I'll make yeah. him do it again. No, I that's, think that's, that's a pretty Chris brutal wants. one. <laughs> yeah. He, he wants me to do a he, shitty review. According to him, he picked a very brutal film, and uh, I've never seen it either. So. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it, start, it starts out pretty bad, and it doesn't end very good, Matt. So. <laughs> it starts out pretty bad, and it ends even worse. You've never seen this movie either. Nope. 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 Chris, what the fuck, man? He, he, We're not friends. He gets, you and me? <laughs> you'll fuck yourself. He gets one chance to torture you, yeah. and he's going to come and out he's swinging. He's taking it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I'm a little concerned. I actually. Court said you can't use your magic immunity for this one. You can't punch out, so. God damn it. <laughs> I don't remember saying that, but I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think it'll be any worse than the one that I actually gave him a magic immunity to punch out on. Yeah. If you didn't use it for Megan is missing, you're never going to use it. I, think. I didn't use it for I, Traces of Death either. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You didn't use it for like the worst for you, I think, was Last House on the Left. Yeah, so. and I still watch that, though. Yeah. Can you imagine watching this in 1959 and not knowing that you could punch out and go to the car arts corner? I know, right? And like, and the whole like, you may die of shock. No, we're not fucking around. We've insured your life. You know, you need a partner in the theater to watch so bring a friend not because we want their money too but because you need to have someone watch your back <laughs> oh I my love, god i oh, love yeah, William Castle. So the animated credits at the end were pretty cool i didn't get a chance to find out who did those but they kind of look like old uh adam's family cartoon sketches or like something that like before spider baby yeah it does have that feel a little bit before spider baby did you play it all the way to the end either of you guys go all the way to the very end no there's a little guy at the end who goes is everyone still alive is everyone okay and he like does this little like you know speech ah, like, oh nice yeah all right so i think we have enough time we could do some news i think we could squeeze We're some in some news. chris has earned it's, it you know what it's gonna be some Yay. harsh news too just harsh, for chris harsh news for chris <laughs> All right, we're going to take a little break here. We will play a promo for another podcast, once again, that Chris has picked in order to give them a little extra promotion from us because they're a podcast that he wholly endorses. And after that, we'll have a little bit of music fitting for Bearing a Little Girl Alive, even though it didn't happen in the movie, you fucking cock teasers. <laughs> and we come hose teasers. <laughs> you, you hose teasers. And when we come back, we will have some fucking PSYOP news, finally! <laughs> Hello, Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? <laughs> People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but... There are so many. I wish there's a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. <laughs> oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. 
Once a month, we pick something and review and discuss it. That sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Why don't you click over to Orphan Entertainment and remind yourself a little more about the show. Oh, will do. Let's see, that's at orphanentertainment.com. And yeah, it looks like we're available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Oh, hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie someday? Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see. Last night your shadow fell upon my mind Awaking memories I thought I'd left behind I had to see if you were still where you used to lay Last night I went down to the grave I heard you scream out of the dark last night Echoed well into the morning light all right, I, I can't figure out if that's a romantic song about necrophilia or being in love with a vampire. I don't, I, I, I'm just hoping Chris gets to watch that Giggling, Gilligan's <laughs> Islands movie. The Return to Gilligan's Island? Yeah. I know. Why, does, why doesn't she let him? Come on, man. Lydia, just let Chris him is, watch it. Yeah, Lydia, Chris is a nice guy. <laughs> uh, let him watch the goddamn movie. <laughs> Has he earned it yet? Yeah, I think he's fucking earned it. <laughs> He's come it's been on this two show. years, right? Come on. Man, he's got some sensibilities, man. He comes on this show and deals with us two assholes. He hasn't for a while. We're going to have to have Chris back. He was yeah, a fun do. guest when we did the he's Prince of Darkness with him. Yeah. 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 And he's one of the first podcasters that reached out to us. Though. Yeah, he is. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, it was a fun time, so we're going to have to have him back on here yeah. for sure. Yeah. But you know what else we need to have back What's on that? here, Matt? We need some psyop. Cuts off musicians' penis and testicles with garden shears. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. I hope they were at least sharpened first. I bet not. Blood well, jizz. The, the picture, That's what's going to happen. The picture they give looks like it's a rusted pear. <laughs> oh. <laughs> look at it. Check it out. Ooh. <laughs> that yeah. doesn't look uh, friendly. Have you vetted this or? Uh, this is uh, out of the uh, the Express Tribune. I'm so, not yeah. volunteering for the blood gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not. A woman has been arrested after she allegedly cut off her boyfriend's penis and testicles with garden shears in the Argentinian city of Cordoba. If you want a fear boner, that's the lady to go to. Well, forty-year-old the 40-year-old musician known as Sergio Fernandez was sleeping when he was allegedly mutilated by Brenda Brantini. It always comes back to Dick. The Daily Star reports. <laughs> this is brutal. Yeah. But his lawyer insisted that his manhood was targeted while he was blindfolded and aroused. Oh, tears are good lube. Brenda's lawyer, Carlos Nae, says the 26-year-old was defending herself from a sexual assault after being fooled into letting Sergio into her apartment, the son reported. That's a hell of a defense. You take away his weapon, both of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, he said there's You just know what a- she said right before she chopped it off, Matt? What's that? I'm taking another dick. <laughs> <laughs> I... I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> and you, you know what actually happens after she chops off? What's that? It's crime scene sex. I'm into that. <laughs> <laughs> he said, there's justification for what happened. The information I received is that she was the victim of a sex attack. Hey, uh, just quick question for yeah. you. Whenever you get your dick chopped off, how does that bleed? It's like a sprinkler going off. <laughs> God, oh. <laughs> Especially if he was aroused. That means all the blood was going there. I got Botox in my scrotum. Ooh, is what he screamed right before <laughs> yeah, she yeah, cut yeah. it? Yeah, right. <laughs> She led him into uh, her apartment because he's someone who's in a rock band and is an acquaintance of her brother. But once inside, instead of removing a musical instrument as he was supposed to, he attacked her sexually and she assumed a defensive attitude. Whether or not she acted sexively is for the courts to decide. She took away his weapon she was he was trying to harm her with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if he was trying to attack her, allegedly. We don't know. Because... If, if it was the other way and he was blindfolded and aroused and then she did it. This is like traces of death fucked porno. What does that have be. to do? It would be. It would be. It would be, though. It would be. That's really correct. The claims were uh, the claims were rubbished by uh, Eduardo Perez, the lawyer acting for Sergio, who re, uh, whose reproductive organs are reported to have been rendered useless despite an emergency hospital op, which has put him out of danger. Perez said, I don't understand what's happened. This is someone I've known for some time. This was a peaceful encounter. Insisting the pair had been seeing each other for several months, he added, they were in the middle of things. He wasn't asleep. They began with a sexual game in which he was blindfolded. There was evidence of that at the crime scene. It he's powering through because he's afraid of another clip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was she a cannibal? I, mean, I, the, I don't know. It was revealed Basically today. a cock meat sandwich. Oh, well. Well, yeah, yeah if she was maybe, a cannibal, yeah. yeah. It was revealed today that he was the singer of a local reggae slash ska band. That's why it happened. <laughs> ska. Whoa, don't be he's hating half on the man I like ska. used to be. <laughs> half the man? <laughs> <laughs> you know what happens whenever you go after a girl that's going to attack you? What? For trying to sexually assault her? What's that? It's going to uh. cost you some serious cock. It will. It will. It will. <laughs> and Papers have published pictures of the blooded bed where Sergio alleges he was attacked, as well as the pruning shears on the floor. Poised on a branch above a deer, just waiting to dive on it with your cock. <laughs> Brenda, described in a local media as an architect, has been re uh, reprimanded uh, or has remained, uh, has been reigned in prison and is expected to undergo psychiatric tests to determine her state of mind. She is being investigated on suspicion of a crime of wounding. No shit. Afraid of vaginas? From here on out, he will be. Yeah, right? You know what else his problem is going to be? It's micro-penis time with humongous balls. <laughs> if they got their money yeah. attached. The horror incident happened on Saturday night in a neighborhood called Nuva. Cordoba, one of the most fashionable and sought-after areas in Cordoba. State prosecutor Bettina Crappi said the only thing she knew for sure at the moment was that the injuries that Sergio had suffered were very serious. <laughs> Is what he screamed when he woke up and yeah. saw it. She admitted he has very likely lost the ability to be able to father children and said it had been confirmed the couple knew each other, but it was not clear yet if they're in a relationship. Hey, bro, I can't get it up from here on out. Yeah, right. Brenda, there's nothing to get up. Brenda has yet to give a statement. Clip. It will not be formally questioned until next week after a psychiatric evaluation. I think that's going in the spank bank. <laughs> Tests are also understood <laughs> to have taken place to determine if she was raped or sexually attacked. And everyone so. will become 
rub it on my face. <laughs> it's Matt's solution. <laughs> so there you go. That's uh, that's fucking that's grim. Some hardcore shit. That's that's really. I decided grim. to use that because apparently I'm in for a fucking rough movie here coming up next week. But he's willing to offer something to get out of that, Chris. You want to do a little ass play? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be a new thing to him after all. I've had seven dicks inside of me. I was waiting for that one. (laughs) He is kind of a man whore. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to say before we go, Matt? Neo-Nazis are pretty good people. (laughs) Dude, come on. Why do you have that? (laughs) Come on. Well. Ooh, is that me getting a metal This is why my face will never be out of Facebook. Why? Because you insist on saying this every time? Neo-Nazis are pretty good people. (laughs) (laughs) Countdown to Bukaki. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done these in so long. It's so much fun. I at one point thought that was Chris just saying that out of the blue. And I'm like, well, that was fucking random. (laughs) Well. Everyone will be coming on my face. And the response is. Countdown to Bukaki. All right, all I have to say about all of this, that whole entire news story that we just read, this is not the sickness with which I am down. (laughs) All right, folks, we're going to take one more break. We're going to have a promo for another podcast that Chris would wholeheartedly like to endorse, and uh, all three of these so far I would as well because they're all podcasts I listen to. We're going to have a little bit of music that is befitting to Macabre. We're going to try and shake off all this lopped off cock action clip and when we come back we will close out this fucking show prepare for a spine tingling nerve shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters you won't believe your ears when you listen to monster kid radio hear your host Derek M. Cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Oh. 
time king diamond i get trapped in the song and i just want to rock out (laughs) all right well we have got part one of our obligation to chris paid in full for his contest win that he's been so patient for and thank you so much for that chris i hope it was worth the wait oh it's so much nicer being invited to the compound this time (laughs) yeah it's amazing how the robots will treat you better when you're actually allowed in the doors (laughs) last time i uh it was pretty brutal. It's I'm still recovering from it. Kill list. He was never on the kill list. <laughs> Just the mishandle list, let's put it that way. <laughs> All right, folks, I would like to point you to our main feed site. You can reach us at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. That's where you're going to find all of our episodes, and we're currently still a proud member of Legion Podcast. Although after Bo hears this episode, he may not want to keep us. I don't know. But Bo, you are a fearless leader. Please don't kick us off. We love being part of Legion. fucking pandering. I can't help it. I'm afraid of losing this. Oh, my God. I love it so much. No, seriously, I love being a part of this network. Yeah, it's great. I, I do too, but I mean, oh my God. Yeah. To pull back the curtain, this was my end goal when we started the show and I actually started finding the Legion podcast show. So let's get with some, yeah, let's get some, some groups. To be a part of that is yeah. something that I am so proud of. And I mean that. I'm not just pandering. Well, maybe a little. Maybe a little. You can try to join the Facebook group, Cinema Psyops, but something's weird going on. Every time I try to add a member or a member tries to add, it just isn't there. I don't know if we did some nefarious okay. weird shit. Fucking Facebook's trying to shut us down. Either that or the net neutrality rules are going into place already uh, for Facebook. Motherfuckers. I don't know what's going on, hey, but hey, hey. you can try and join. Make sure you get with your senators and congressmen. Make sure you fucking fight for net neutrality. We, we need to We need to keep that, dude. <laughs> yeah, because podcasts will go away and you won't be able to hear us anymore. Yes. That's going to happen. That I will promise happen. you that will definitely happen. Any kind happen. of free speech at all will get pissed on. <laughs> yeah. It's just horrible. So fight it. Get, make sure net neutrality is upheld. Do not let it get <laughs> taken away from us. That, and also remember the other good news for today. North Korea just tested an ICBM, and now the entire mainland of the United States is in danger. Yay! Yay! Well, while you have the time left, you can find us on Facebook. I am Court PsyOps. Matt is Matt Psyop. If you found the plank that says brutal, you probably found the right guy, but he may have a copy to count already. I'm not sure anyone would want to impersonate him, though. I, I don't know why. <laughs> like, if you're already that I kind of like a loser. to steal my identity. It's like, you want my credit rating? Good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you really want to have Matt's cred? You go for it. You can email feedback to Matt, styopmatt at gmail.com. Tell him to man up and do the review for the next film that Chris picked. Oh, I'm doing it. You definitely are. You can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Tell him you're really disappointed in how long it took him to actually get poor Chris to be a part of the show, for Christ's sakes. You can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats. I'm at court underscore psyop, and Matt is at psyopmatt. Send us some nude photos of hot people. No one does this. Yeah, no one ever does it. We never get to see that. No. Literally, no one ever does it. No. That's what DMs are for, people. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Matt would check his Facebook and Twitter way more if he was getting nude photos of hot people. Yeah. <laughs> or even partially clothed. Yeah, whatever you guys got. <laughs> and whatever you got while you're out there working it. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this episode prior to, during, or after. 
doing that? <laughs> I don't know. Kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. Uh, Could have actually started earlier if Matt's work hadn't made him do one last call to help somebody. Oh. My work was being a dick. <laughs> you know, we all have our corporate overlords to please. So. Yes, oh. and I do. I, for one, welcome our new corporate overlords. I do not. <laughs> I will burn it down. What if you're the corporation, though? Is that uh, better? Make it rot from within? Yeah. <laughs> Very subversive. I like it. I know what I'm doing right now, and I work in banking software. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Don't no Mr. Robot. Superman 3. <laughs> no, nothing like that, Chris. <laughs> Just talking fractions of a fractions of a cent, you know. Uh, every time there's a transaction. The best Superman movie to ever star Richard Pryor. <laughs> yes. That's that's true. <laughs> the Richard Pryor starring Superman is the greatest Superman movie ever made to star Richard Pryor. Exactly. Just like the one with Nuclear Man in it was the greatest <laughs> Superman movie ever made with Nuclear Man yeah, in it. Yeah, greatest one ever. Yeah. <laughs> that had one. Nuclear Man in it. <laughs> had nuclear man in it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. There's no argument to be had here. But it's certainly not the best one that had Gene Hackman in it. No. <laughs> That's true. Calm yourself with that. Number two. Superman he, 2. I like Superman 2 the best. With the Dick Donner cut. Have you ever seen the full Dick Donner cut? I have not. Oh, I hear wow. that it makes it even better. Yeah, it removes a lot of the horse shit that the producers threw in. But we're not going to be talking about no, that. No, 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 no. Yeah. We're talking about talking about a different movie. Yeah. That's okay. our other podcast. Why are we even doing our shtick? We aren't even officially recording yet. <laughs> you have to plug this in someplace. <laughs> oh, I'll plug it in. I'll plug it in ooh, real good. Ooh. Like a stereo jack. No, no, no. no, no. Like an extra long super insert. Yeah. You're going to plug that in ooh. like a USB cord. You know, put it in, flip it, try to put it in again, flip it back over, try to put it in again. Just can't quite get it <laughs> Just right. Just can't quite get it in right. I'm going to put it in like a lightning connector for an iPhone. It's going to go in the right way, uh-huh. no matter which way I put it ooh, in. All right. Unless I try to go catacorner. Yeah, that, that is that square peg round for hole you. That won't I mean, work. that might hurt <laughs> in, the, in the end. <laughs> you okay. know, for a large man, Matt is very gingerly uh, danced around that li- landmine of saying, you know, uncut dick. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Chris, there's now a clip. That's a clip. <laughs> Who's going to do the technical stuff if I'm not on the show? Oh. I mean, we never said you would be working on the show. You'll just be the engineer. <laughs> that ain't happening. I know. Inmates running the asylum, then. Yeah, right? Yeah, that would be like the worst fucking show that would oh ever be God. done. Let's do this movie review. Five hours later, we still haven't touched the movie yet. <laughs> that is your dream podcast. It's just you talking out to a void about your insecurities, your fears. Basically sports radio without any of the fucking sports, sports to keep people going. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're like the Alex Jones of podcasting, where you just ran about whatever shit you want. <laughs> Turn the frogs gay. Wow. Freaking frogs gay. Look, I only have two and a half fucking pages. We can get through this a lot quicker if we settle down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, behave. Oh, yeah, like it's his fault. It is. Went to the uh, Cesar Romero School of Lovemaking. <laughs> oh, my God. Allegedly. Allegedly. Definitely probably happened, allegedly. <laughs> probably, yeah. He was a weird guy. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't playing the Joker. They just they just filmed him, and he was just there. Motherfucker, you, you know somebody's weird when they won't even shave their pencil mustache to play the Joker. They keep that shit. <laughs> Every time somebody mentions pencil mustache, I automatically picture John Waters. Of course, I and do, And now too. I'm picturing John Waters in the Cesar Romero Joker makeup. Oh my god. And this needs to happen yeah, now. Yeah, that would work. <laughs> I need to get budget for a movie just to put him in that makeup and in the film. <laughs> I call you that all the time just behind your back because well, I never yeah. I never thought you'd understand the word. <laughs> because you're a real friend. You talk about me behind my back. No, I try to say all the hurtful things I can to your face so that I know it hurts you. <laughs> no, that's a, that was a, oh god, now I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was about a bunch of ears and uh, Zach that gal. Out cold. Yeah, out cold. We, know, we, know, we say those things about you too, but never to your face. <laughs> because we're real friends. <laughs> wow, he made an out cold reference and I actually got it. I know. <laughs> Saw that movie once and I know it better than you and you've probably seen it a hundred times. I've seen it a lot. I just don't know the title, but I know all the scenes and everything like that. So. Yeah. Well, it has Lee Major, so it can't be all bad. Yeah, it's not. All right, where the fuck was I? <laughs> <laughs> For that wicked out cold reference. Yeah. We get it already. <laughs> Do you, Matt? Yeah, I get it. You hate children. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> Finally, getting through to you. <laughs> You're so fucking dense. Children and cops. You just have no use for either one. That's because most children grow up to be cops. <laughs> and a lot of kids want to be cops. Why don't they want to be firemen, Matt? They're they much do. more useful. They do want to be firemen. Then I don't have a problem with those kids. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ. Oh, man. You're talking about you know, un me unloading my insecurities. What the fuck are you doing? Oh, I'm just a What is this, court's therapy hour? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's We're all what... on a list somewhere now. <laughs> That's what this show has been started to be. Yeah, Chris is right, man. We're all on a list. Congrats, Chris. You're with us now. <laughs> Once net neutrality goes away, Chris, you're getting black bag, and you're going to be wondering what it is, and they're going to be like, your cinema psyops appearances. <laughs> <laughs> you have to I'll pay. be driving somewhere in Mississippi and get pulled over and oh it's just gonna be a mess <laughs> hey i listen to that cinema psyop show <laughs> no they wouldn't no they wouldn't have to have that accent <laughs> their moral outrage they couldn't get past the opening yeah right <laughs> there's some british guy talking about how things are filthy i, I no <laughs> i don't i didn't spend my life to listen to some brit <laughs> fair enough i on the other hand did because i can't get enough of those accents me, me neither i'm with you <laughs> God damn it, I don't even know where the fuck I am anymore. <laughs> I mean, like, literally. Like, not in my notes. I mean, just, like, where I'm going where emotionally, yeah. my direction in life. I'm just completely fucking lost. Wait, where are my values? Oh, I know where those are. <laughs> in the toilet? Yeah. Did I flush them yet? No. No, you're letting them fester. <laughs> no, I left my values in a, in a fucking porta potty so they can do. In the porta potty in Phoenix, Arizona, in the middle of July. Oh, it's not even a porta potty it's an outhouse oh, that's where my morals are built in the desert without where you the, can't go too deep into the ground because it's all rock where all that without all that chemical stuff to cover up the stench it's just gonna keep rotting from the inside like my soul it's the middle of august it's 150,000 degrees. degree hey look at that i think i found it your values no well yeah oh man they do stink anyway <laughs> 
Well, I'm an atheist. I have no morals and values because I don't have a god. That's how that works. Uh, anyway. <laughs> god damn, we are really going for it tonight. Wow. We're just really letting it all out there. <laughs> I'm operating on very little sleep. And yeah. I did not have a very Chris, good do you have anything you want to add? Anything you want to get off your own chest? Something you want to feel better about? Yeah, just talk some trash. Go ahead. Oh, I, I don't know. The, the heathenry, the taking the pokes at the cops. I, I don't know. This is way too much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's, Chris has now to become our moral center. Chris, Chris is trying to do. Chris is trying to do in podcast terms the. If you're talking to somebody, and they say something. You like right next to him. You step away. And you whistle a little bit. <laughs> hand check. You can see them. They're I, right here, I'm holding on to the third pen. hand. I, I have know a third all hand? about it. I have a third hand. Yeah. Why the hell am I not in a sideshow? Why am I fucking writing software for a living? Because you can do it three times as faster now. It's one third faster. One third, yeah, yeah, one third. Well, no, it'd be fifty percent more. Mm-hmm. So I'd be giving one hundred and fifty percent. You would be finally giving one hundred and fifty percent for the third hand. Where's it going to come out of my my enormous gut? It's yes, just going to grow out the middle. I would. So I'm not fat. I have a third arm hanging. You have off a third arm just hanging out. <laughs> God, we just, anything just to fucking have a little fun tonight. I yeah, guess. Yeah, really. Come on. All right. You're so not, you're not fat. You're big boned with I'm, that extra arm. I'm not fat. I'm third armed. Third armed. There you go. <laughs> Two and a half pages of notes, folks. <laughs> and about nine and a half clips. How do we do a half a clip? I don't know. It's less than a minute. Uh... Wow, look at this. He's pulling in trivia that we didn't. Look at that. Yeah, maybe Chris should have his own show and we should it's... just quit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Tell off the franchise or something. Yeah. Is it worth anything? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's worth something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Chris, invest. Priceless. Yeah. Yeah. We build up a name <laughs> for ourselves. Yeah. People like our brand? That, that, that's kind of how things sound. They sure do like it. <laughs> All right. At so, least you got one guy from Wisconsin saying the horrible, horrible catchphrase. Ah, I got a lot of stuff that Matt says that he's begged me not to put on the air. Pretty much. <laughs> the only one that I put on the air that he's still begging me not to is the one where he says that the uh, thing about the Nazis. <laughs> that was really fucked up, man. <laughs> I still have it. I it's, know. It's it still, still fucked exists. up. I'll still use it. I know you will. Depending upon how much you piss me off during the show is how much I use it at the end. Uh. Which is why I think you've been making the shows longer to avoid the news. What? <laughs> But I knew that! I don't know what you're talking about! I'm the one who last week was told that he looked like a handsome Viking. Somebody said that about me, yeah. his wife. So, of the two of us, I'm going to say I'm the more attractive. I mean, because your face is out there. <laughs> and look at the audience. If it was Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I would have won that. <laughs> I think the I real reason, the, the real reason you aren't putting... The eye of the beholder. The reason you aren't putting your face out there yeah. is you fugly. Yeah, well, I won't disagree with that. <laughs> but I'm not saying you're good looking. <laughs> All I'm saying is I wish you actually actually did look like that board. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> <laughs> Your acting would be as wooden as Shatner's. And we're bringing it back. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I have no clue where I'm at while I'm digging on you here. But I'm pro-abortion. <laughs> the poor plant paranoid people. <laughs> you're supposed to say you're pro-choice, not that you're pro-abortion. No, I'm pro-abortion. God. <laughs> What, if I were a millionaire, my eccentricity would be funding abortions. Abortions for everyone. I'm the ultimate liberal. This is the future that liberals want. Abortions and free weed. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I told you to stop reading Trump's talking points. It's like Mike Pence's nightmare. Abortion hut on every corner. Uh, yeah, that's what I'll do. Abortion hut, and it'll be bomb-proof. <laughs> <laughs> you get a 3D scan to prove A, that you're pregnant, and B, you're not carrying a bomb. <laughs> Before you can get you it. You have problems, man. I know I do. <laughs> Kill the babies. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I can feel you guys' sphincters tightening. Oh, oh God. <laughs> we're, we're from Wisconsin. We, we try to be civil. We don't always agree. We're, we're either super liberal or super conservative. We, we try to be civil, though, and we try not to pick at the really controversial listen, issues, but listen, it, it's hard. Listen, I am super liberal, but still, kill the babies can kind of make someone Clip. uncomfortable. <laughs> Clip! Yes, I got him to say it. <laughs> <laughs> still, that, still that as bad as the other one. <laughs> oh, but I can make things happen. <laughs> All right, that whole entire diatribe Christmas, just so I can get Matt to say that phrase for me. I'm just saying. Awesome. <laughs> still not as bad as the other one. This isn't Necromantic 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> we got to find something different besides Electric Boogaloo. Because yeah. I've noticed a lot of people are using that now Uh-oh. for sequels. Yeah. We got to use something different. Um, like, just in the last couple of months, I've heard like five or six other podcasts do the same thing there with the Electric what's Boogaloo. What's sequel, Dave? <laughs> I don't know. I know, right? <laughs> back in the city. Uh, if only we had <laughs> Necromantic 2, Back in the City. Back in the City. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure one out. I was going to say, if we only know two handsome gentleman who had a podcast dedicated to movie sequels. <laughs> Look at him working in a plug for our friends at I the know, Deuce. that's nice of him. Too bad we don't know them. Yep. Anyway... <laughs> No, I know Jeremy and, 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 and those guys. I mean, yeah, they do that show, The Deuce. Oh. I don't know any handsome men who do it. Though. Aww, oh, boo. Just oh, kidding. Boo. They know I think they're I'm handsome. playing this for them. <clears throat> well, they know I think they're handsome. They <laughs> you think every man's handsome. I, well, no. I look at you with nothing there. <laughs> but I'm a handsome Viking. <laughs> I'm going to drive that point home over and over again. Over and over again. Yep. One person. One out of a billion. <laughs> Two, if you count my wife. He thinks I look like that handsome Viking, too. And when I put up that picture of him, everyone thought that was me. So there you go. All right. There you go. Okay. I'm a handsome Viking. (laughs) It's like screaming, I'm a pretty lady. (laughs) I'm turning you into a twisted shell of a man. Yeah. Time to end the show. It's over. (laughs) No. This is where it starts getting good. We finally get the show that I want where I'm in charge and everyone agrees with me constantly and no one argues. God. What? What, what, what? What? It's a democracy that I run. (laughs) (laughs) You keep saying this word. I don't think it means what you You think think it it means. Your shadow fell upon my mind Awaking memories I just can't leave behind The wind it howled And the moon was cold and gray Last night down Uncut dick. Kill the babies. And bringing it back to our uh, uncut dick. Lopped off cock action.